breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings. What do you see? The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Warmth. Me to talk. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host Becca and as always joined by the illustrious Dave, Chris and special extra extra special guest Charlie Brigden. How are you doing, chaps? Good evening, folks. Hello. Hi, I'm on hold. I'm waiting for... Do you expect to talk? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, General Fox. <laughs> yeah, it's a podcast where we talk about films and say sm- smutty humour. Okay, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm not hearing anything. Can, sorry. I've, can you I'm hear us? <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll wait. Hello, folks. Sorry, it's Chris. Yeah, we'd figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking hell, there's Oscar Isaacs here or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can confirm that was Chris. <laughs> was he more surprised? I thought it might be Aid Edmondson. Right, once again, we've got I everyone think he's in England. tooling with you, sir. Hey, I listened to the commentary and he said the reason he cast Adrian Edmondson was he was a big fan of Bottom. Good. Brian Johnson is a big fan of Bottom. I just, it, it's just, it's just a shame that, like, um, uh, but Hooks couldn't find his inner Rick Mail and like could have had like <laughs> like we can like all of a sudden what are we scene on you. Them? We're gonna do it, do it, do it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Richie bastard! Hits <laughs> 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 him with frying pan. Uh, I do wonder if he would have tried to find a role for both of them. Not necessarily Probably. together. That would have been too distracting. That but... would have been amazing. Like it could have come back as Rick Mayo was like a Jedi Master or something. That would have been amazing. Well, actually, Rick Mayo would have played a really good hooks. Thinking about it, he would have done actually. That's yeah, good. Yeah, good idea. Well, I think well, if, if they're able to um, uncanny valley and um, animate Tarkin uh, with another actor, then surely they could have done something. Um, surely they can get Rick Mayo biroing get... some chest hair onto himself. <laughs> Or borrow um, yeah, another actor and like put his face on, you know. Um, I don't know what you call it, motion capture, and and do it that way and kind of animate the likeness of Rick Mail into yeah. this film somehow. Just that so you've got Richie and Eddie. Yeah. Anyways, if you haven't guessed, listeners, we are about to review Star Wars: The Last Jedi, starring Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Oscar Isaac. Adam Driver, Libby Nyong'o, and many, many more, written and directed by Ryan Johnson and released in 2017. I'm not going to go into the whole cast because it is very long. No, no it's fine. So, IMDb.com <laughs> for details. <laughs> so, guys, what do we make of uh, The Last Jedi after all this time? Oh, after all this time, yeah, we've got everyone in England recording this again tonight as well because we got to this as another one we recorded nearly all of. Um, and uh, yeah, we kept promising to redo it and kept trying to redo it, and yeah, stuff happened. So here we are with it 
a couple of months out on home release now. Life got um, in the way. Uh, I don't think life got in the way. Our schedule got in the way. We had to move <laughs> on at some point. Um, and obviously we then needed to get to... And, and there's no point doing it in February when you've got a Star Wars film coming out in May. So it was always going to get driven by Solo's release. Uh, that was late May. And uh, we had to get into a position of finishing our previous series. So that's why it's taken us into June to redo it. I'll quickly go first. Um, this is a film that I like much more in um, concept and ambition than execution. For all the, the whinging you see out there about it, I'm really glad this film exists. I think it's... Um, what it does is, is sort of slightly rewrite the language of Star Wars in uh, its references are from very different places. We'll discuss a, an episode of the rebooted Battlestar Galactica as we go along that this takes an awful lot from... Um, it feels un unlike any other Star Wars film. It feels it's still kind of funny for for a film that people talk about as dark. I think I laughed more at this film than, than any of the others. Um, it it unencumbers itself of its past, you know. It right from getting rid of sort of the you know the well they didn't we'll talk about what happens with the sort of Jedi texts and everything as we go along. But it frees up the Star Wars universe to sort of move, move on in, in a fresh direction. Having said, it is funny. It's got an outstanding first act. I really, really like the first act of this film. It's got um, some brave character decisions. I have few problems with any of them, but they are different and not necessarily what you'd expect to have become of some of your major characters. But it deals with new themes. It deals with themes of failure. It deals with, it deals with you know, what if the heroes win and and the win is not that great a win. You know, we we had Return of the Jedi, but that wasn't an ending to everything. It it was it was a sub ending, if you like. But life carries on afterwards. And what afterwards? What if the what if the peace isn't what you think it's going to be? So there's some really brave stuff in this. There are some major problems. I really don't like the second act of the film very much. Uh, there's the, the sort of uh, the casino planet um, scenes, Canto Bite, I think are very long and largely unnecessary. Um, and I do have... I don't know if it's just a pacing issue, because I like Mark Hamill in this a lot, but, I've also, but I also find when we get to... Um, some of the stuff with him and, and Daisy, it just seems to sort of take a lot of energy out of the film every time we go back to the island. But that might just be me. I, 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 I found the stuff with Daisy and Rilo a lot more interesting than the stuff with um, uh, Ray and Luke. I think I, I, maybe I'd go Personally, along with yeah. that. I, I really don't know is the honest answer. I'd have to really think about it. But um, I think that that's it for me. For now, I have problems with the film. I think the only thing I would want to add before we finish is what will date this episode, obviously, is we cannot and have not seen, because they have not made yet, the final part of this trilogy. And I have worries for the final part of this trilogy. And I think there are, there are fundamentally things in this film that I don't think are necessarily ruinous, but they might be. And on top of that, it just makes me wonder sometimes where the oversight on all of this is. Because I know things are just constantly being changed in, in train and in transit. We'll just see where we go with that. That'll do for me for now.
Yeah, so in case you don't like, we, in the next film we see, like, Snoke's actually live, and, and oh, guess what? Ray's, uh, Ray's actually an Obi-Wan, you know, or something like that. I, I, who knows? Uh, um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a quality film, but it has problems. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to honest, I mostly agree with you, Dave. Um, I, I think, yeah, you pretty much summed it up quite well. One of the things I will say is, um, to add to that, it, I think it's probably the best-looking Star Wars film, I think, in terms of visuals and in texture. I think um, in shot making as well, even yeah. the opening shot of the film is something we've not seen before. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's definitely the strongest in that regard. Um, it has issues for me. I think a lot of it is is scriptive story, character based. Um, the, the stuff that doesn't work, as as they've said, is the is the middle end, um, the middle end. Sorry, the, the middle part of the film. We knew what you meant. Yeah, the, the middle end. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, the middle part. Yeah, I mean. The, the, Parts about the third act doesn't work, but overall, but to be honest, it's one of those films which I think if I sum it up, watching watching it as an experience, I really enjoy my time with it. Though if I had to reflect on it as a film, it's kind of like yeah, it's okay, um, and that's pretty much all I'll go for for now. Charlie, what's your opinion of this film? How did you come um, to it? It's probably a bit early to say masterpiece, but I say very close to that. Um, it evolves. Star Wars um, beyond well, The Force Awakens kind of set it up to bring it back and kind of remind us of stuff that kind of we maybe didn't get with the prequels but um, what it does is it, it gives it a sense of evolution and kind of gives it back to the people almost um, yeah it's just, I just think it's an amazing film I think it's amazingly written um, there's very little I change about it, really. Certainly, the problems I I've, I talk about when I talk about the film aren't the problems that that vocal minority. Well, let's let's assume it's a minority. In fact, let's not speculate on the size of it. Detractors of this film never point at the things I don't like. With one exception, I do occasionally see that Canto Bite stuff goes on a bit. That's all. So I think, yeah, it, it's not. The stuff I hear as complaints about this aren't things I recognise as problems, by and large. Yeah, I think, um, for me, the, the, the fact that Luke throws the lightsaber and the uh, and the fact that's not really Luke, those arguments, when they make, I think, no, you, you're fighting a losing argument there. That's that's not, you know, I don't really see that as a criticism, you know, of, of the film. It's just that makes kind of sense, and that's interesting. Um, what 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 are the other common complaints that that normally said? Um, I I can't even remember now. But those are the, the main Too ones. Too many I, women. I, the ruining of the Luke character. Yes, that's pretty much what the what what it is. It's like after, especially after Han as well. They always feel a bit like they just shut on the characters and um, and then yeah, because basically like that's it. The everything about the original trilogy is over now, and now we have a new one. So I feel I think if I was being well, I, I am somewhat sympathetic to to it because it is like, you know, something that they love and they just feel like they've just been unjustifiably uh, betrayed by a sense that their characters have just kind of been mishandled and now now that's it, they're, they're over. And and they said, what, they, we didn't even get like a decent send-off? It's just, I understand you're upset, but at the same time, you know, so, like a lot of the arguments I'd actually find myself not agreeing with and I 
you know, it's one of those things where I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I disagree with what they're saying. Um, I think, I don't want to sound condescending to them, but I think a lot of time, I, th- I think they're not sure why they, what, what it is they don't like about it. I, I, think, I, don't, I don't think they understand them that themselves, so they just go to, well, that's not my Star Wars, uh, as the go-to response. But that's my general feeling going on it. Becca, what do you think? Um, yeah, upon release, I really enjoyed this film. Um, I said, I think out of all four of us, um, probably like obviously Charlie, um, and myself was kind of the most more. We have more positive things to say rather than negative. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it um, upon release. Um, I think I saw it a few times at the cinema, and for me, um, I think it does reward like repeat viewings. Um, and yeah, for a film that was meant to be so dark. I would agree with you, Dave. It is the funniest, one of the funniest films in the series so far. Um, yeah. The opening, which we'll get into shortly, I, we never knew. We, you know, I managed to avoid some some spoilers and secrets about this film. And you know, when you see Edmondson, we were like, "What? what? We didn't expect this." Yeah, I missed um, we him were, first time around. I was like, "Yeah, really? it's hilarious." I've had to it point him out to people. Yeah, I think oh, he pointed oh out God. to me as well. He was like, "What? Well, really shit, he's in That's Adrian Edmondson. Every time you see Hux stood right next to him. I mean, yeah, he's the guy who says, like, I believe he's tooling with you, sir. It's like, why did I not see you? Oh, no, he didn't say that. (laughs) Because, like, I was was talking with my dad, and we're both, that sounds really rude, like, bottom fans. I'm fans of the (laughs) British sitcom Bottom. (laughs) I I want that on record. As Becca just told us, she likes Big Bottom. Um, the young ones, they are the young ones together. He uh, referenced both of them, but he said, yeah, but he mentioned Bottom particularly. <laughs> Bottom, for anyone listening, not from this country, an early 90s sitcom ran for three seasons in your parlance, if you're not from this country, but they're only, they're only like six episodes each one. Um, and it was two guys basically living in like an apartment together who were just super violent and a bit... Um, uh, pervy, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah, the and j- they just jokes were basically really comedy fights with all these sound effects. On. It's the, good. It's really funny though. It is. It is undeniably funny the first time you see it. It's very classic. It's very classic comedy. Um, yeah. But again, lots, lots of but the violence is very cartoonish. Like Deliberate. you know, somebody gets hit in the face by um, by a frying pan, and you, it's very obviously like a rubber frying pan. But you hear like a clang sound, and if somebody else gets their face bashed in a cupboard. <laughs> It's a very cartoonish sort they of. They have at least one fight per episode. The Christmas episode, genius! You have to watch that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's genius. Oh my god, it's genius. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, little detour there. Um, yeah, so yeah, it had some really great lines. Um, I thought maybe perhaps in terms of running time, it's a little bit too long. Um, but it's fine. I can deal with it. Obviously, had some problems like, well, I don't know. This, when seeing it at the cinema, I kind of. The casino scene, I was a bit like, oh, does this really need to be here? And I kind of struggled with it. Um, but then upon repeat viewings, I well, actually, it's not so bad, it's okay, I can kind of put I've, up with it. I've always thought they should have done like a mole storyline instead of like going to that uh, casino planet. The kind of, is it called Kanto Bite? Yeah. Um, what, yeah. I think oh, it it's a done, gorgeous like... design though, Kanto Bite. Oh, it looks amazing. To it look looks, I, mean... I would like to go there, it looks incredible. I, I must admit, it, it, I do like the establishing shots. It just feels, ah, oh, Star Wars. You know, when you see all the uh, 
you know, all the different kind of animals and the uh, animatronics yeah, going it's on. It's like Star Wars by way of like a bit of Bond and and a bit of like yeah. something like the artist or something like that. It's so many like different different yeah. references sort of pieced together, and it's got kind of a wealth porn aspect to it as well. It's just yes. it is a beautiful. I'm so glad it's there, but when I look at that whole story thread, it, it I'm not a great lover of. I, it. I think what I. Like when I start started to have issues with it, is the idea of the the fact that they're being hunted down and they're just like zapping around from place to place. Well, you know, you know, as if that's just okay. I, I I don't understand how they can just like easily. Oh well, fine, we'll just go to this planet. Or if you can just go to this planet, why can't every other resistant fight just like whiz out then? If the if the First order. I keep wanting to say new order. With first order, um, <laughs> new order. Yeah, Bernard Summer. Like, you know, <laughs> um, it's like did, did the only them. decent World Cup song. Of, of <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, why can't they just pick them off? Like, I, I, that that just didn't seem true to me. I'm like, so I'm just like, sort of, almost like chase. We'll get into but, that. We'll get into that. In a yeah. Bit. So but yeah, I always all, thought it was better to have, Is like... it fair to say we're all pretty positive? Yeah. A film that's had a massive backlash against it, let's not get into who from and the whys, but it's it's certainly a divisive film. All four of us are going to be ranging from reasonably positive to very positive. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, there, that, obviously, there are obviously there are that tells aspects listeners of the where you are. So if you're a last Jedi hater and you really can't stand two hours of people being fairly positive about it, this may not be the episode for you. No, turn turn off now. I'm probably going to be the most negative, and I don't hate it. So I, I've, I've got a lot like of negatives the... as well, but the, the the ambition of the film trumps all of it because yeah. in some respects, I don't care how the film came out. I'm just glad that they fucking had a real shot in it. And also, yeah. like of a, of a new trilogy, this is like the difficult middle film. So people are always going to be comparing this to what's what's come before, and we've already seen, and unfortunately, how toxic the fandom could, can be as well. Yeah. Most, most um, got to remember as well, the most beloved instalment is a second episode. Exa- exactly. So yeah, there's literally it's in a big, um, it's in, in a very big, very long shadow, and you know, indeed, um, because that that is. Literally, just is like the most. You say what you like about Ryan you know. Johnson. Um, it, it's <laughs> actually nice to see a Star Wars director announced earlier in the process and be there right yeah. the way through. I was really surprised. I, I thought when well, they announced him, I thought, oh current... God, is he still, still going to be there at the end? I, I mean, they, the, solo, the solo film ran through two different changes because that was going to mm. be Joss Trank originally. Then it oh was God, I'm so glad he wasn't attached to it. I'm not Me too. I mean, shaky, shaky Cam Central, it would have been. What, what, was well, he definitely no, going to do solo? I thought it was Boba Fett. He yeah. was on the he was on the second spin-off, so you had Gareth Edwards attached to what was became Rogue One, and you had Trank attached to what became Solo. And um, what was that film that he made about um oh, about superheroes? Yeah, that was Chronicle, but that was fan footage. Chronicle, that, that yeah, I, I enjoyed that. It's not film, a technically though. bad filmmaker, but I, I didn't like Chronicle. wasn't a very traditional film. No, it was there was yeah, no other traditional shot making in it you would see anyway. That was only thirteen million, and then they hand him like the keys to a huge franchise, and you think, well, give him something a bit more traditionally shot first. Um, obviously, Colin Trevorrow didn't get through to episode nine; they didn't like his draft and got rid of him. Um, uh, and what else? And obviously, Gareth Edwards got pretty much locked out of the cutting room for 
Rogue One, even though he remains the director of record at least. So actually, Ryan Johnson, I think, was hired in something like early 2013. So, uh, yeah, he survived like a, a getting on for a five-year process with this film. Fucking hell, was it that long? It didn't feel like it was that good. Yeah, I mean, he was he was starting work on this um, around the time, sort of JJ was still writing Force Awakens. So I think they hand the script notes over to each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. They did. They did. Yeah, they did. They did. I don't know. My, my points of they were all kept fully informed. It's just we know what JJ wanted, what JJ conceived of wasn't in every case then followed up by Ryan Johnson. And what the only thing that concerns me, and we'll get into some of the examples, I think, well, have we got directors just going, well, let's just change that on a I, I don't see the same quite, even though they've gone through directors. And, it, and I'm not quite sure there's quite the same producer oversight you might expect. I, I do wonder how well they've mapped this trilogy out. Uh, did they actually know where episode nine even roughly was going to go when they did seven, for example? But we can get into that as we go along. But yeah, Ryan Johnson, obviously, I'd seen Looper. I don't think I've seen, is it Brick? There's a couple yeah. of other things oh, he's done. Oh, I've yeah. Not, I forgot about that. I haven't seen that for a long time. I've only seen Looper. Which again is another film I like much more in um, ex- uh, concept than execution. Mm, it's quite stylish. It's going to be my film film theme. Here. What a great idea! You know, really, really. Like it's quite it. good from what I remember. I think I only saw it once upon release, but I remember it being quite solid. Yeah. I like him, and he has gone on. Well, I mean, he's gone on since this film, but back when he was much, much smaller as a filmmaker uh, and sort of making his way, he went on the slash film cast a, a few times. And it was just like having like a friend on there, you know. He was he, he wasn't that big. I mean, yeah, you, you had people like Dan Trachtenberg go on there and see Robert Cargill, and people who are actually making careers for themselves now have got much bigger than when they were on that show. So I was aware of Ryan Johnson years ago, and every every time he spoke, I just thought he was so reasonable. If there was ever a director, I would back to sort of weather the sort of backlash that's come with this film. I think Ryan Johnson is just the sort of level-headed type. Um, and I do think he's a very accomplished filmmaker. Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yeah, let's, let's go it. for it. Okay. First thing I, I have to say is, uh, Charlie, the crawl in Serbian, please. <laughs> <laughs> or in a language of your choice. <laughs> Italian, uh, go for it. As, as is traditional, Charlie, roughly what is in the crawl? Oh, I've, got, I've, got, I've got it in front of me today, so uh, uh-huh. I'm cheating. All right. Au um, say. <laughs> what I would have done is just undenied a bit, changed about four words, and otherwise got it bang on, and then we'd have gone. That's impressive. Well done. <laughs> uh, yes. What, what does it say, Charlie? Let us know. Yeah, I can't read it in Serbian because I can't. I literally. Try, English is fine. Oh, wait, no, fine. I can. I can do it. Levado, na konstoje unistada mwana republika. Vern of Lida Snook, Sada Primo and Jutro, Nemo Lost Nervost, Lega Duzasma Vosca, Controller Galaxy, Samo General Lair Organa, Band of Resistance Fighters, Stati Rasta, Tyranitro, Isvesni Jedi Meshro, Luke Sky Verka, Ke Verati Iverati Vanaku, Od Nadaj Se Ubobo. 
Ali Otpo Jebaya is Lozeno. Caprovered Brisen Prima Buntunova Basi Herabi Hiroja Zespustachu Okajaniki Bextvo. That's not German, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I think that was a good pronunciation. But uh, was, again, Charlie. I shall, but, I shall get in touch with my Serbian friends and say, ah. Oh. <laughs> but I kept thinking that it sounds like it's like some sort of weird alien that like like you'd find in like a cantina bar or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good, though. <laughs> Probably better than the rest of us could do. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd just be murdering it completely. Okay. <laughs> we had to do something like that after last time. The gist is that the last, uh, the first order are uh, in the ascendancy. The first order have control now, um, and they are a little bit sort of like Hoth, I suppose. They're they're about to finish off the last few. Yeah. So what's happened between now? Because I'm a, I am a little bit confused by what's like what's the time frame from the force awakens to this like we're, it's we're... immediate think about think about where ray is in, in yeah. the start of this film it's instant it follows right on yeah because because i mean stark it, at a base was aiming at the, at the resistance base was in fact it reminded me of um the born ultimatum in that the last scene of the born supremacy takes place like two-thirds of the way through the born ultimatum the first act of this film takes place before the final shot of The Force Awakens. Mm. So there's a little bit of time narrative, a little bit, but like a little bit of uh, a time jump. No, there's no bit. time jump at all. There's no time jump at all. Basically, uh, in the period where Ray's sort of flying off to give Luke his, you know, find Luke and give him the lifesaver, this battle occurs. Yeah, so by yeah, the time that, the that, battle that, finishes yeah. and we catch up with Ray, we are watching. A recreation of that, the last scene of the Force Awakens. That's what I mean. So the Force Awakens kind of like jumps ahead of the Last Jedi bit at the end when Ray meets with Luke, and then the rest of and then the beginning of the film is like catching up to that point. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's how I read it. Anyway, um, first thing I noticed was we came off this crawl. Um, I didn't notice it was in Serbian at the time, but there you go. And it goes um, down, and I just love that opening shot down through all those crafts. That's mm. one of the best shots I've seen in the whole Star Wars saga. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty stylish, isn't it? It's it's one of the things I, I like about this film. It is just, again, Great how it's shot, the texture. Basically. Like, even yeah. when you see the, um, um, the New Order ship... New Order ships, fucking up. The First Order ships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Human League. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're only human, um, so they'll be seen like sort of like that. You hit light speed like from from the sky. I just like that, that. That's an impressive shot. It's a wonderful, yeah. It's a it's it's a real wonderful shot to open this film. We go down to like the basically the the resistance base. I think the first thing we see is is it Billy, um, Carrie's daughter, has a role in this film. It does. It's a very nice way to honour. Well, don't forget Carrie was alive when they did that, so it wasn't, it wasn't a tribute to her. But no, but I, I think it does, obviously, because you've got Mark Hamill's children to feature in the film as well, so it's they nice. It's, it's considering it's, 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 it's her last, her last film, her last Star Wars movie. Um, obviously, looking back on it, it's not you know, sort of a tribute sort of thing, but looking back, you know, in a kind of retrospective way that we do, um, it's it's a nice tribute to have Billy Lords, which is very nice. Yeah. The dog isn't in it, but yeah. I know Gary. Um, Gary doesn't have a role. Yeah, he <laughs> he's, he's Gary, Gary's amazing. 
Is he? Yeah, he's, oh, he's probably in there. Yeah. He's like an alien dog in the casino. He's yeah. got a really long time picking up. So you, so you play the thing that puts all the coins in BB-8? Probably. <laughs> so we start off with... Um, uh, yeah, effectively, this 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 is the more or less what's left of the resistance. I keep going to call it the rebellion for obvious reasons. Uh, they are about to be attacked by the first order, and that will basically be curtains if they can't get away. So Poe Dameron flies right at them. <laughs> yes, and that's why I had that very humorous opening line. This film was funny. This film was funny all the way through. I like the Poe Dameron character. Mm. Anyway, I've I've heard complaints about him as like a cut price um, Han Solo and stuff, and I I don't get that. He's nothing like Han Solo at all. He's not meant to be either. Um, And Oscar Isaac is a a slightly sort of Pacino-ish actor to me, actually, in in build and stature and everything. And and very, very charismatic in this and very funny in this. And, uh, yeah, it's just... I don't know. It reminds me of um, it was one of the Family Guy um, Star Wars. I think it, it was uh, something something Dark Side, the um, the Empire Strikes Back one. Because there's a bit in the film where um, Luke gets into on Hoth and he gets into his like whatever that craft is, and his pilot, the guy behind him, says, "God, I feel like I could take on the the Empire by myself. I know how you feel." Well, in this in the piss take, Family Guy's, hey, it's all right, Gary's got this. <laughs> <laughs> so he flies up by himself right in front of the Empire, and he's like, suck it, bitches. <laughs> and they immediately like, just blow him out of the sky. And it's a bit like that. It, this fucking like, dreadnought thing the fucking, uh, that Hux is on is massive. And he just goes right at it in this little fucking X-Wing. Yeah, it's, it's just like balls of steel. Like with, with this plan, but the the I like how it tells it tells how his plan is executed. It's like oh shit, that makes fucking sense. Like he's just like stalling them, and like and then sort of like getting in there before they can actually launch their tie fires. And, and it and it actually and it actually fits into the narrative and yeah. visual canon of Star Wars because that's what they were trying to do in the first film: stay mm. close to the surface so that the sort of ground to air cannons can't pick them off. Yeah, and that's a, he's trying to do a flavor of that. Take out those cannons from close range. Yeah. So where do we go from? So what, what's he trying to do? He's trying to take out those cannons. So yeah. So in, it basically in, gets a sequence where he basically just he does just take out the the dreadnoughts cannons, so it leaves it susceptible for bombing. Bombing. Yeah, and um, we if we weren't aware of the stakes, we become aware quite quickly because most of these sort of bombers do get picked off. Yeah, most yeah. of them do. Even with all the damage he's done, most of them do get picked off. And we meet. Uh, what is she called? She's got a. T- she's. She turns out to be Rose's sister. Rose's sister. Yeah, is she, was she? She would be named because every yeah, character in Star Wars. Yeah, that's it. Page. Page. Okay, she is uh, aboard the the bomber that actually delivers the payload. Yeah. Um. And we see that little visual thing she's holding on like a necklace, mm. uh, which we'll see again a bit later on. Bit of drama about whether she manages to dr- is going to drop it, but again, that's just typical action scene stuff. Um, but I really like it. I, re- I really like this as an act one of the film. It's yeah. ballsy, and it's it, it's almost uh, it, when you think um, there are some echoes of Empire, but it, it, it's actually a bit more preemptive than that. 
I think so, I like it. I think it hits the ground running. Definitely. Like you know, I mean, when when I first saw it, I was thinking, oh well, this is kind of like Empire that you starting off with, but it you know it, it is like a lot pacier. It goes straight into it, and there's no like so. It, so there's no so it doesn't leave you much time to. Uh... So basically, they blow up a dreadnought and get to hyperspace. Yeah. Mm. Which in the normal run of things would be it really in terms of uh, that initial chase. But of course, what we find out a little bit later on is um, they can track them. Mm. Now, this is where I talk about the, the, the influences on Star Wars being slightly different this time round. Did any of you watch the remake of Battlestar Galactica in the 2000s? Yeah. I didn't, sadly. I haven't. Okay. Heard. Well, you had I a mini- talking about it, though. You have a mini-series to start with in 2003. And then 2004, so I think of it as like episode three. It's not. It's actually the first episode, but I always count the mini-series. They started the season, the first season proper, with an episode that I think is called The 33s. I think it's called The 33s. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's um, called The 33, because it's every 33 minutes. Every 33 minutes, the fleet from Caprica have to basically light jump if you like to avoid the Cylons who are chasing them and they're finding it harder and harder to perform these jumps in time and they're running out of resources they're much bigger numbers than this I mean every episode of Battlestar Galactica gave you a um, survivor count and typically it would be in like the 35,000s or something like that whereas here there's a few hundred of them but um it's the same basic principle. There's an awful lot of Battlestar Galactica in this. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Really. Means. I yeah, keep absolutely. hearing good things about that show, so I, it's one of those things I've never actually got around to watching. First couple of seasons are great. It does yeah. get better. Yeah, it slipped off the rails that, at the end. It slipped off the rails. It's worth seeing right the way through, but it, it they they it bit like, I suspect with a lot of shows they didn't know where they really wanted to go with it, but um, first couple of seasons are great. Yeah. And they do quite well with not a massive budget, like a sci-fi show, uh, a sci-fi channel show. And so they don't have the most amazing budget. Yet. They still provide somewhat passable CG and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that's very much an influence on this. Uh, what we later find out when we meet the Rose character is that they're, that they're tracking them. Mm-hmm. So they, they jump and they go to a far distant place. But the Empire can immediately, uh, first order can immediately tell where they've jumped. Yeah. Uh, so, where do we go from there? After the battle, I think the first thing we see is Finn. Yeah, um, Finn, Finn wakes up from his um, coma thingy. Well, this um, is from the injury. This is another thing that tells you no time's gone by. Really, mm-hmm. remember he was badly injured at the end of the Force Awakens. And, um, yeah, and he's asked, where's Ray? And then we cut to Ray standing on that rock, handing Luke his hand- lightsaber. He's been doing that oh, for a long time. <laughs> he fucking has. All of a sudden he just goes, whoop, over his shoulder. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I must admit I laughed when that happened. I, I kind of like... I yeah, that, laugh, I think... At least scoffed. I can't remember if I actually audibly laughed, but I think I went... That's like the two biggest laughs I remember seeing it, uh, in our audience. Literally, eight Edmondson, and then again... <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark Hamill going, nope, tossing it Who over does nothing funny? So if, you, if you've never heard of Adrian Edmondson or you're a younger <laughs> viewer and you're at the cinema 
And this middle-aged bloke appears on screen and says pretty straight dialogue, and people fall about laughing. You <laughs> must wonder what's going on. All the oldies are like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or anyone uh, over 30. <laughs> yeah, so Ray is on um, that island uh, that we saw her at the end of the last film, handing Luke, Luke his lightsaber. Uh, Luke sort of stares at her for a minute and then just throws it over his shoulder and walks off and straight back to... It's kind of like a stone igloo, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I like this because it's just an anticlimax. You know, I, I can't see a better way to do that. Uh, yeah, but to pick finally up. found the heroic Luke Skywalker. Now, what we... What we're going to find out in this section of the film is that Luke has... Um, we don't find out about his relationship to the Force in this section. I think that's next time we come back. But we certainly find out <coughs> that he's, he's left... He's gone there to die, and the Jedi... He wants no part of the Jedi. They don't need to end. And when she's saying to him things like, you know, the First Order will have, be, will have wiped out all everyone within weeks and so on, he says, what do you think I'm going to do? Go go out with a lazy sword in front of the entire first border and do it <laughs> by myself. Which is kind of what he ends up doing a bit later. But, um, yeah, and this is, this is, this gets to the heart of one of the big controversies of the film. One of the bit, one of the big reasonable controversies of the film in the, a lot of the stuff when we talk about Kelly Marie Tran later, I've got no time for at all, but I will at least debate people who say they've ruined the Luke Skywalker character. Um, they haven't. <laughs> yeah. um, but In a nutshell, they haven't. No, they haven't, because Luke Skywalker is 30 years older. Exactly. And I think most of the people who make these complaints haven't even lived fucking 30 years. No. Um, you change over time, and, I, and I, your passions can die. You know, your passions can die. Your Your fight and spirit can die. And if you come to believe the creed of which you were a part is, is actually more dangerous than anything else, because the skills you're teaching people are empowering them to cause damage if they don't stay on the light side of the force. Yeah, naturally you're going to be on then, the back. Then naturally you're you? going to say the safest way for me is to just guard these texts and just stay away from it. Exactly. And plus you've got new people like Ray coming through as well, so he's kind of merely taking a back seat so that... The next generation can come through. I, I think he's just come like cynical about it all now. I mean, that, that's probably the thing because um, Luke in the original trilogy was like the the guy who was just you know always full of hope. Why died? Yeah, yeah and, and yeah, I mean, I I can't see again. I can't see any other uh, better way to go uh, if we, if we are picking up from a timeline. It's like what what the fuck happened to this guy? You know. Um, and it's like it's the stuff you do like between that. I think. I mean, the only thing I'd say that does let it down is is more to case of I don't think they delve enough into the character enough in the film. Well, that's that's my only thing. The actual decision to there's really only one scene, isn't there, where he's explaining how if you scratch beneath the surface, yeah, and the failure of the Jedi, which we'll come to a little bit later on. Uh, my only problem with the Luke and Ray stuff is pacing wise, it just deflates the film every time. We, you know, we follow something for a bit, and then we cut back to this island, and there's more. I'm not training yet, or there's more, whatever. Mm. Um, the fact that Luke isn't this sort of heroic trainer of Jedi, 
and this grandfather of the craft sort of figure doesn't bother me in the slightest because actually people do get very cynical as they get older. Uh, people get a bit burnt out as they get older um, and a bit more negative a lot of the time as well. So I don't think any of that is that unusual. But also I think that sort of new Jedi order and the sort of EU stuff it's okay if it's a book or it's a comic book and you could just have new adventures and the next generation and all the rest of it. We're trying to tell a story over a number of parts here. And I just think, what do you achieve if you just have Luke cha- training a load of like cheesy fucking new generation Jedi? Mm. I don't know what you think, Charlie. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, given it's been th- it was 30 years between... Um, this film and the previous film and you have no idea what's gone on in those 30 years um, that could have affected this and obviously what we see is is a big thing and again it kind of links back to what happened with Obi-Wan and Anakin and this, the kind of echoes of that but, I, thought I, I thought I could train him just as well I was wrong yeah exactly yes. yeah but but and then it's it's almost like, but Leek's kind of gone onto a different path in terms of how he's dealt with that. Well, I suppose Obi Wan became a hermit, but I suppose yeah. that was also he was watching Luke to be fair, or young Luke. Um, I I just think that this is almost the exact opposite of the Force Awakens as a film, for for good and ill, because the Force Awakens is a real breezy, easy watch. I mean, yeah. if I had to throw one on now, I'd throw on The Force Awakens. It's just, it's an easier film. But The Force Awakens, if you look at the way they dealt with Han, I've still got mixed feelings on bringing him back, to be honest with you, but they bring back Han. But they treat him a bit like you would treat almost a comic book character in that they've, they've, they've treated him as an archetype, not a character. Yeah. So they just bring back the superficial traits we're kind of familiar with. So he's a rogue and a smuggler. In fact, they've had to sort of almost de-evolve the character a bit, you know, so they've had his marriage fail and him go back to the roguish type we knew when the series started, perhaps with a slightly better heart because of the lessons he learned in those films, but nonetheless. So that creates one, one type of complaint that you go, well, 30 years have passed and he hasn't fucking budged an inch. He's the same character. Luke is treated much more as a character, as a real person and allowed to grow and change. That brings out a different type of complaint because fanboys will have... I don't, fanboys is pejorative. I, I, don't, I don't think everyone who would have this complaint is one, so let, let's, let's walk that back a bit. People who might complain about the Luke character, I think in a lot of cases it's, it's, it's just it's not what you either expected from the character, have come to think of as the character in later years from the EU or what your extrapolation would have been of him after Return of the Jedi and I think that's where I defend the right of creators to create and frankly you can change to any degree in 30 years and with the story we're told and a life that you know before he's even 30 probably Luke wins you know the greatest um, victory you can imagine overturning you know an evil empire and then for decades afterwards he has to watch it not be quite the victory he thought it was 
and you know he tries to carry on the work of this faith that he was all wide-eyed and positive about and he finds actually he can't really do it or he can't do it well enough in his own head anyway i think this is entirely where like luke could be yeah i mean because basically what what happens when i was skipping ahead here is he sees uh there's the line where he says um I, I, i've never seen this raw power before as in kylo it's like it didn't didn't scare me now, so he's that's why he. I think that's one of the things I thought maybe my criticism with of Ray of uh, being like, oh, that's not just my criticisms. It's uh, a lot a lot of other people as well. Uh, uh, being like overpowered of the force and all that stuff. It's like well, if they explained it like well, Kylo was like that. That and and they could way well be the case, and it's just like they're just not really. But there like, is a theme through the first yeah. two of this series now that. The force is something that they're the force and the power it conveys is something that yeah. is uh, evoking fear. Yeah. So in like a way in, this, that in the other trilogies, what, what what I mean is like this kind of raw like natural ability of the force, like this skill, like oh shit, I can just naturally use force. Yeah. No, no one's ever been this like naturally gifted. Yeah. Uh, and Kylo could have had that same thing before, so it would have been like oh shit, no, things are changing. Yeah. Um, also, it's like level of like disgusting himself of like oh, I was actually thinking of doing it. I was actually thinking of killing him in his sleep, and yeah. it's kind of like fuck. What have I done? And I've deserved everything that's coming at me now. And if then, I think I think this film, de- you know, this this film is de- deconstructing its characters in the same way that it's almost deconstructing the series. Mm. In the you know, uh, we're, we're used to like the big bad being built up over a number of episodes, like the Empire Emperor was in the first trilogy. Mm. And you know, I, I'm not, I've got problems with the way they deal with Snoke and stuff, although they won't properly be addressed until episode nine. And it might turn out I'm perfectly happy, but certainly Snoke is ends up being a bit disposable, and I'm not too happy about that in some respects. Um, but there's a bravery to all of this. There's just a bravery of allowing Luke not to be perfect, you know, because he didn't raise a load of perfect Jedi. He he, he had a go at it, and it didn't work out. And in and in fear, he nearly did the wrong thing. Yeah, but he didn't. He just nearly did, or he thought about it. And that's almost like the tragedy of it. It's like that slight moment of weakness or hesitance kind of like yeah. condemns you doesn't it um, absolutely where do we go from there do, uh, do we see yeah we go straight to uh, Kylo see, and Snow. I was going to say it's got to be Kylo next yeah. doesn't it yeah it is um, and we get to see Snoke properly first time and I'm, you know I really like Snoke I, I think was, Snoke's actually really impressive in this one I'm going to say now Snoke I think is a missed opportunity I think the characterization is brilliant but we don't find enough enough we don't find out enough about him and it's just we don't oh, need to, a missed though. opportunity. Why? Why I know, we... I know, but I just feel like, oh, you know, it's just a great character. From the original trilogy, what do you know about the Emperor? Well, no, no exactly. I don't know a lot about him, but it's it's revealed more and more and more as you go on, and you know how he became how he is. But it's just like, but I, I do love the character of Snoke. I think it's one of the great characters in the series, and I love the characterization, and just the way he meets his end is just like, yes. <laughs> So, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the normal arc of a trilogy. It doesn't in that you just go, you know, they they built him up as this sort of distant threat in the first one. Mm. Then we sort of meet him here, 
had had Lucas probably known he was going to get his trilogy, we might have got something like that in the first trilogy. It was, um, and then, the and then trilogy. up close. Well, no, I'm not talking about. <laughs> I'm not talking about the. Oh, the original trilogy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, it it it's odd storytelling to build this guy up and then all, discard of him in, in, in an almost throwaway fashion. Yeah. I like his character though. I think it's, it's very cool he's his cool. character. I'm but not going to say it's wrong because I haven't seen part nine yet. Well, no, it's actually wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, th- I think w- what he's doing here is this because again, this is this is Ray and Kylo's story. Mm, so, and you've got Kylo here learning from Vader's mistake, and Vader, Vader's mistake was not to kill Palpatine earlier. Yeah, and yeah, that so was what, now, that, it was what he intended to do, and what he <clears throat> offered Luke out with. Um, and again, we we kind of see that later with with Kylo, but. <laughs> I think that's Kylo's thing. That's that's I Kylo. A, I think there's a bit of him. Um, I've only just thought of this, so it might not be a fully um, rounded out thought. But I, I wonder if it's Kylo setting his own terms yeah. for how he needs to behave. So when you look at the first film, the first Force Awakens, first in this trilogy, he's he's almost got to kill his father to prove to himself that he's dedicated enough to the dark side of the force yeah um with this film at the point where he kills snoke which is a few scenes further on so we'll come back to it but um at the point where he kills snoke he's nearly been forced into killing his own mother yeah and it's almost like he's got to a point where he's thought why am i doing all this to prove something to this guy who is doing nothing but ridiculing him, knocking me down anyway. I I can define what I need to do to prove my own level of loyalty. I don't have to. I don't see that I necessarily have to be killing my mother for that. Well, he's he's mm. he's well, he's kind of like taking Stokes' advice, but just using it against him as well. It's like, well, you know, I'll kill my, you know, my past. I'll kill, you know, you know. Why not? Why the fuck would I need you? And you know, and all, all that sort of like belittling also like plays into this kind of like, well, fuck you, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna be yeah, in possibly. It's, it's the whole the whole thing that I mean the thing that, that people picked up at, um, was oh. the let, let the past die, and I mean that's what he's doing. He's killing his his parental figures and certainly his father figures. There's a very much a sense of um, masculinity. And the questions of that masculinity here at play here through Han, through Snoke, and through Luke, because you uh, where, and where where he hesitates is Leia. Yeah. Because he wouldn't have if Luke was actually there, he wouldn't have hesitated to kill Luke. No. 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 Of course. One thing I thought, another thing I thought was just a real statement of intent for the film is they got rid of his mask. Yeah. Now, these types of series rise and fall on, on their archetypes. Like you can't imagine Indiana Jones out of the out of that outfit for very long. I know we see him teaching occasionally, but that is Indy is is the suit really. Indy is the outfit. Yeah. And the same is true of Vader. If Vader had suddenly removed that mask halfway through the second film, because perhaps he didn't need it to breathe, or you know he only needed it at certain times, I'm not convinced the character would have been quite as iconic. No. And I think. In rhyming series, you can see how Kylo comes along as a modern analogue of Vader, although they call it out, obviously, in both of these films. So to actually 
take the mask off and let us see the eyes of the man, I think is actually brave and it's very against what a studio would normally want to do as its marketing strategy. Yeah. So well, I, 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 I like again. that in a well, way. Well, they already got like the mask Kylo anyway. So you can kind of like, well, he's, you know. But he, will, he, will, now, he will now inherently be slightly less iconic, Chris. Yeah. And, oh, no, and you so you yeah, are making us like, you're making a storytelling decision rather than a business and marketing decision. Yeah, but what 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 I'm, what I'm thinking is I think the 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 marketing and the I- iconic of him in in the mask is already there. So don't matter what you do now. It is, but we're going to end up with a series that's seven hours long, and he was only in the mask for uh, less than a third of that. Yeah, I think you still remember the mask, or you don't really need it from there. He's growing, but he's growing beyond being a Vader copy. Yeah, he's no no longer being the boy that wanted to be Vader, because you can see in in this film as well, he's got he's got a cape, a proper cape now. So again, he's he's even gone more Vadery that way. With a cape. I hadn't actually noticed, but yeah, okay. Didn't he have so, a cape in the last one? Because he had a hood up. But different. No, he had a he had just like a, he had a long a, a longer cape. It's like a robe, wasn't it? Again, and okay. then yeah, and then his hood was just like almost like a scarf. Okay, all right, fair enough. So I liked all of this. Um, yeah, uh, extremely well animated Snoke. I think we're, we're getting to the point where things just look completely real now. Um, mm, yeah, it's very terrific. much. I love his guy. I, I thought it was like a, you know, a, I thought he was wearing makeup or he had yeah. like a prosthetic mask on or something. I love his guard. Incredible. I love his guard. Well, the other thing is, I can see Andy Serkis in his face. Yeah, you can. Because obviously we've, we've had facial mocap for a few years now, but you can really tell. Even more it's, than it's Caesar, I, I would probably have guessed that's Andy Serkis actually. And you watch like the behind the scenes of it as well, and they tell you basically how they just went in instead of like doing it from the outside in from the inside out so they kind of add more like scoliosis to his spine and the rest of it and they literally build him from the outside no from the inside out yeah and that goes you know better understanding of the character i like his guard though they like a an eastern spin on the imperial guard Mm, they're very very stylish what are they known as in this they're called praetorian guards right Mm. Yeah, I really love the real of... samurai look to them. Yeah, where it's all kind of segmented. The only thing I know that sort of, that well, that frustrated me is, you know, let's get, get, back, get back to the point that I would like to know a bit more backstory. Like, I would, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't necessarily want, like, a whole essay, a whole, like, I want to know what about from his birth to how he rose to power and all that shit. But just like, well, okay, well, how was he got in a position where he is what what you know is he not a sith what is he that's what i mean that's yeah, what, what i mean what are the like to just 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 a few lines of dialogue or even just a hint just to suggest just to fill in a few gaps because i'm just a bit like okay where the fuck do these guys come from like, come from who are they what are you about um and, I mean, and, and, and why, why, why are your guards like fighting to the death after you actually death why do they give a shit now um as cool as that is, but the, 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 those are the que- those are the kind of like things that go okay, well, okay, I don't quite get. But apart from that, you know, I do think it's a ballsy move, and I do like how they actually did it. How they actually killed him off. Yeah, I I do feel, I, I don't know, I feel a little bit the way I did about. It, it's a different character. They're not analogs of the same thing either. So it's not the best example I could come up with. 
but I, I felt the way I did with the sort of um, Sith apprentices in in the prequel trilogy that you know a lot of build up around Maul, then we find out virtually nothing, and he's dead in five minutes. Uh, it's not quite that, but I, yeah, I just wonder what you know. We it, had all that Snoke in the not, first. It's not, but Maul was more was definitely more of a henchman anyway. So like you know when, yeah, when that's you knew he was saying. dead, it's not an like, analog. Well, there, more, isn't, but... there isn't a quite there isn't quite an analog for it here. But there was a certain degree of build-up to him, like a new emperor, and there was sort of seeing him over sort of hologram in the last film. And then he's killed kind of quickly and unceremoniously here. And it took me by surprise, and I can't fully comment on the appropriateness of it until I've seen the whole trilogy. Yeah. But it, it did strike me a little bit like the series, like, fucking with us a little bit. And in some respects, that's great, because you're challenging narrative... Um, uh, conventions, but on the other hand, it does worry me because if this trilogy does turn out to be a bit segmented or odd at the end, a lot of it will be well, two actually sort of undid a lot of the work of the first one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just felt like sort of they just completely. But it's brave, it. so bless them for having a go. I'd yeah. never have a go at them trying, but I'm just a little bit concerned that, like, how was this mapped out in the overall trilogy? But uh, Charlie's getting closest to it when, when he actually says that if you look at it through the themes of Kylo's progression as a map, it all makes a bit more sense. Snoke's whole arc is there to service the Kylo story. And again, comparing him to the Emperor, yeah, like you said, they are messing around a bit as well because they're taking our expectations of what we think Snoke is. And turning that round on its head. That's what I. That's where this yeah. film wins for me because uh, you know we we sat through a couple of years of backlash against the Force Awakens, where it was, it's just a facsimile of Episode Four. You know, Control C dot. You know, Control V, um, and all the rest of it. And, and Disney, they don't know how to do anything other but, than play it safe and just. All that kind of thing. This is a ballsy, ballsy piece of filmmaking. Hence, I think it was always going to be somewhat divisive, even if you even if you forget some of the worst parts of the fan base. There were always going to be reasonable people who watched this and didn't get on with it. Oh, definitely, because it, it it does like take you by surprise. Like, oh, okay, what we're we doing here? What's like, okay, where are you going with this? Yeah, yeah. Um. But we, we've kind of jumped ahead now talking about the deficit. We have. So obviously, yeah. obviously, the whole point of the first scene is putting Kylo in his place, calling out that I thought you'd be a successor to Vader and all that, and him saying, well, I killed mm. my father. You know, what else do you want? And I think that does egg him on, A, to smash up the mask, and B, um, obviously, he's ready my ship, So that, which is nice callback to some of Vader's dialogue from earlier films, but also he then goes out and does attack because they've, they've traced the resistance because they've got a tracker. Um, and the next thing we see is they are basically about to fire on the, on the lead craft, which is Leia's ship. And he hesitates, which is what Charlie's just alluded to because he senses his mother there. But before he can sort of pull them away from it, or before we even know what he will do, one of his aides fires anyway. And killing, um, blanking on the name, it's a trap. Admiral oh, Akbar. yeah. Admiral Akbar's killed in that, and, and Leia's obviously blown out into space. Lots of them are killed. 
this is the next big complaint we get to uh, the what's been described Space as layers layer. Mary, uh, Mary, layers flying. Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins yeah, scene. Flying through states. Never had a problem with this. I actually had a problem. We got this deep into Star Wars without her showing her force abilities. Mm, exactly. Mm, yeah, this is when they when they were rare times that we actually do see it. I think there's a certain. I think it has a certain. I don't think you could have done it any different in that it, it looks kind of amusing. But in terms of what it is, didn't have a problem with it at all. And Carrie Fisher has already shown me for the first couple of scenes of this film, she's fucking brilliant in this. Yeah. She's amazing, isn't she? I think she she's was, the best, best she thing, was, one of the best things about it. In my view, she was poor in The Force Awakens. And I do think now that was nerves. And years away from having acted, because she's just superb in this. The way she puts, like, Poe in his place. Yeah. She demotes him. It's like, you have no doubt this person's in charge. And they're all done. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, that's in a bit. That's yeah. in a bit. First off, she's blown out into space. The force, she uses the force to get herself back to the ship, although she is badly injured. Because um, she's been in the cold vacuum of space for a yeah. good few seconds. I mean, no, um, I, so I, I've never had a problem with the idea of it happening. I think, uh, as you say, Dave, it was just the um, the visual aspect. It does kind of look a bit funny. It's just like, uh, you know, um, and w- w- when I think about it, I think, well, was it necessarily? But I think what what they were aiming to do originally had obviously this tragic death of uh, Carrie Fisher. Um, I, th- I think they were, uh, I, I heard that we're going for um, got a big like sort of lays uh, Jedi powers in the next film. I think that's what they were aiming for. So that's why this scene is here. I think. Um, to add justification for it, but there you go. It looks a bit silly, but I understand it's um, it's you know the use of the force and whatnot. The only thing that does bother me a little bit is you know when she goes in to the airlock, and it's like oh, how how do they not get sucked into space opening up? The the, the you know the, the shot conveniently just sort of like just. I imagine cuts they've away. got force. They've got force fields on the bridge. I imagine that's what um, they did. I think they had previously when it. Uh... When it blew out, presumably, I'd never really thought about it. But, to be but you know what I mean? It's like, hang on, that, that, that's in the vacuum of space. But yeah, I mean, that, that'd be one way of explaining it. But... Yeah, you could just imagine them being blown out into space yeah. and Poe sort of mouthing. She's tapping on the window. Let me in. Okay. Yeah, yeah and then like Poe, you just the last thing you see is Poe sort of slowly freezing and mouthing. <laughs> we didn't think that through, did we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, do we go back to the island from there? Um, Logic- logically, that's where you'd imagine we'd go next, wouldn't we? Well, we don't go straight to we don't go straight to Holdo and, and Leia's replacement, do we? No, no. no. But, okay. um, Doesn't well, matter which way, I, mean, round, yeah. I suppose. Luke eventually relents. Offers her three lessons. Yeah. And the first one's one of the funniest bits of the film. <laughs> um. The first lesson, he says, three lessons and I will teach you the way of the Jedi and why it must end. Uh, or they must end, whichever way you put it. And the first lesson, interesting just from an effects perspective, that was all done on a stage. And they shot some mm. plates in Ireland. Everything where they're sat on that stone is a stage. Um, which is kind of impressive, because you wouldn't think for a second she wasn't outdoors. No. Um, uh, it's just where she says, re- uh, what is it, reach out? Yeah. She puts yeah. her hands out. <laughs> <laughs> He's tickling her. Uh, well, that's the force, is it? Whack. Yeah. Oh, you mean reach out, wasn't 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just love the sort of the sense of because all the way through this film, we're going to see a connection between Ren and uh, Ray and Kyla, and he's indicative of like the pull of the dark on her. And she's got a power she doesn't understand, which could really be utilised for evil because she's clearly extremely powerful. And the first time she shows this power to Luke, she goes straight to the dark. So Great, Sue. What did you guys think? Oh. Yeah, it's great. And I, I think they've got great chemistry as well together. What, Luke and Ray? Yeah. He's really in Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would agree as well. I think um, Daisy Ridley's one of those actresses who's going to turn out to have like chemistry with everyone. Yeah, that's what I find her very charismatic. It's just quite like magnetic to watch. Mm. It's just a warmth and openness to her as mm. an actress. Very lovely. Um, she's taking after her great uncle or whoever it was. It was in Dad's Army. What well, Arnold Ridley? So <laughs> really. <laughs> No, but I, I, I think she's a very good actress, though, and she's very promising, um, and she's brilliant in whatever she does. She could, she could, she could have a really good career, but we'll see. Mm. Hopefully, she does because she deserves it. You never know. But I, I mean, I know she was sort of in the frame for that Tomb Raider film, and they ended up giving it to Alicia Vikander, and I don't think Alicia has the same interpersonal chemistry with other actors mm. that Daisy has. No matter how, how good film, it is. I think maybe if they do another reboot, maybe somewhere along the line they would cast Daisy. She's very much an action action role model. Um, but yeah, I think going down the Tomb Raider, I think on, on this on this occasion, um, Alicia Vikander was the right woman for the job. Anyway, I disagree. I'd have, I'd have totally had Daisy Ridley over her. But anyway, um, yeah, that's another film for another time. That's another film for another time. Um, which we'd have to really run out of franchises to do. We would. Um, I would rather scrape the barrel. We already kind of talked about it the other week, haven't we? <laughs> well, we have. Yeah, we yeah. sort of did. Never mind. No, no, we have. We've done part one of our summer uh, review. Yeah, you, you guys have. Or spring review, as it should be called. Oh, yeah, because we haven't even hit summer, summer. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so... We must be getting to the point where... So that was the first lesson. We must be getting to the point, if we haven't gone there already, where we're introduced to the Rose character. We must be getting to the point. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, 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 it's changes, but yeah, it would have been, yeah. Because uh, Finn's trying to um, find Rose. Not Rose. Find, find Ray. Yeah, find find Ray. Because his yeah. very first line in the film, like, Poe says, you must have loads of questions, and he says, where's Ray? Yeah. yeah. It's only one thing he wants to know. Really efficient writing. Um, and now... I want to avoid a lot of the politics we talked about last week, but let's just talk in general terms about the Rose character. Um, because I really like this character. Yeah, me too. Yeah, a lot of people uh, like bashed her, and it's like, well, why? You know, I thought like, she was a pretty good actress. actress. I thought really she, had, she had some drive from the loss of her sister. Uh, and also, it fits in with that Star Wars tradition of showing us from the point of view of the lowliest characters. Mm, exactly. She is like really like, just you know just by the nature of where her I don't necessarily like everything they do with her because I don't like the Canto bite stuff, but I like the character. I think it's. I wonder if, the Canto I wonder if a little bit has that... become yeah, it's become conflated with that. Unfortunately, um, it's just the fact I'll, that she's I'll, taken the brunt of it. 
I'll 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 be honest. Yeah, I think it's most it's mostly down to that. I mean, I don't. I'm not particularly taken with the character. I don't. I, know, I don't. I don't hate her. I don't sort of. I don't. But that's just it. I don't find anything remotely uh, appealing about it. It's not. It's not the actress's fault. I don't. I don't think it is. Um, I think it's just 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 a character that's that's there. But um, you know, that's implying to me that you're you find her a bit bland, if anything. Yeah, kind of. It, it, kind of a bit, bit bland. Kind of a little bit kind of... Not, no, it all's not the right word. But a bit She's trying preachy. to do the right thing, isn't she, really? I think, I think preachy is the thing, is probably what I'd, what I'd probably say. Um, it's just, yeah, kind of like an unearned kind of sense of, like... What what's the, I'm not saying again? It's not know it all. It's like uh, of grand sense of morality. It's like oh well, well this character know, knows everything, or is like the, the the wise wisdom. And I don't and I think I don't think it just it plays that well. Uh, I don't think it speaks well to John Lawrence's regards what the trolls say. I think you know the hate is undeserved, and I should never attack. Yeah, she's she's so. not she's not in the frame for worst Star Wars. No, character. no. I mean, I, haven't that, said that's, that's I mean, like, very, that's unwarranted. You heard from those who didn't like. I mean, be fuck. I feel sorry for Hamid Best. I mean, imagine back then, you know, thinking, "Fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in a Star Wars film." <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. When, when Having like the hated character ever. Yeah, yeah. So, I I do have sympathy for it, and you know, yeah. That that aside, I don't think the character works as well as. Um, as for summer's hoped, but hey, you know, there you I go. mean, I should I should have known yeah, better. The worst character ever. I, I didn't come out even expecting any kind of backlash or thinking that that's a weak character. Even I just thought, you know, Star Wars has a history of showing us things from those perspectives. Traditionally, in the earlier episodes, it was the droids and stuff like that. Well. It, it was just quite interesting to see Finn, particularly in her first scene, to see Finn like hero worshipped and then immediately deconstructed within about two minutes. I liked that, and I liked the fact that uh, it, it's about almost finding that bravery within yourself because she just thinks of herself as a lowly member of the crew. In walks this amazing hero, Finn. And within two or three minutes, it's actually revealed. It's actually revealed to her that it's it's quite possible she's she's braver than he is. I, I think you touched on. I think um, probably what and the reason why I don't think she's as popular. Um, I think she detracts from Finn. I think or like people like fans and John audiences actually like Finn as a character, uh, particularly from the Force Awakens. So I think one of the, the major complaints is Finn is un, rather underserved in this film. I think a lot of that is down to yeah. Uh, Poe was in the last one for reasons we talked about at the time. Yeah. So I guess that could happen. And like I say, the act, the second act of the film, she's with him off doing stuff. I don't find that interesting. Mm. And I would like. I, I he is best off being around like Ray and Poe because he has a very unique chemistry with each of them. Actually, um, but, she, but she's the one that really kind of helps change his direction. And helps him decide that he where he where he wants to be. What I do you like about the character? What do you like about the character, Charlie? I like I love that she's really really human. I love that she's us. She like you like you said she's she's a hero worshipper. She's 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 the kind of character. For five that seconds. She's awkward, um, and uh, 
yeah, she, she's awkward. With the first first time we see her, she's crying her eyes out. It's kind of this. This is the complete opposite from, um, kind of like the kind of strong entrances that we were kind of used to um, with these characters. And um, from there, you see you see the arc that she's been given with what happened to Paige and what happened to the family and yet what the First Order did to their homeworld um, and where she comes from that and where that fits in with Finn's journey where he's still not a resistance person, a resistance fighter. Um, he wants to find Ray and run because he still thinks that the First Order... Will will prevail, and we'll, we'll kind of come and uh, and get them all. And that's what for me why I still find the counterpoint stuff really interesting. And I love Rose as a character because I think she complements Finn really well. And she is she's almost like his conscience because again because he's a stormtrooper, so he's not had anything any kind of life experience outside of being in the military. And being in that outfit, so when he yeah, I mean, at this camp- point in the film, his life experience is effectively about two months, probably yeah. at most. Exactly. Yeah. So when he goes to Canto Bike, yeah, he's all the whirl and he sees all the lights, and he's impressed. He hasn't seen the, the other money. side, does he? Yeah. No, I, I, I do get that. A lot of my problem with Canto Bike isn't about the principle of them going there, because I think it's incredibly beautiful to look at, and the sort of messages fit in with the film. But it, it's a whole lot of... We'll come to it anyway. But, yeah, so, yeah. Um, the, only, the only thing I'll I disagree with that, though, Charlie, is in, in regards to Finn. Um, I think had Finn woke up from his coma, like, in the same place that he is at the end of the film, we wouldn't have noticed. And that, to me, tells, like, there is just lack of character aggression in, in that character. That's my opinion. Um, and I think that that's probably where I am with it. I think... What do you uh, mean? I don't think I don't think we would have like noticed had Finn a sort of I woke up from his coma when where he to the point where he actually ends the film. I think we would have like just accepted that. I don't think there's you're, there's actually you're much say, you're growth. Saying you, I, I don't understand. I don't think it's well, much whole, you're you're saying growth the whole there. Rebel scum thing when he fights Phasma and that yeah, whole thing. No, he's always he's there at the end of Force Awakens. But he's not. He's not. I disagree, but he's okay. literally he does everything in the Force Awakens for Ray. He goes back to Starkiller Base. He doesn't. He knows that obviously his his thing because he lies. He lies about it. He says, yeah. He says that he knows um, that he knows how to disarm the shield. He lies about it. Just but he lies about it because he knows that he has yeah. to get down there and he yeah, has to save says, Ray. That's what Ray. he cares about. In fact, I think it's the opening. I think it's the opening clip on our Force Awakens review, when he reveals to Han like he do, he doesn't really know what he's doing, and he says, "I'm just here to get Ray." Yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying there's no character progression. I'm just saying it is there's very little, and I don't think we would have noticed had it had he woken up in the same place as where he ends the film. Okay, um, I'm a bit ambivalent on it to be honest with you because I see both of your points, which is. Um, I mean, like I think I think that the main problem with the Finn and why why people is that he's he's kind of like a coward through and through throughout the entire both films. I don't think people actually want to see 
a natural progression of like wants him to find his courage a bit more and I think it's been undermanned by the Rose character I'm not saying blaming the Rose character particularly but that's, they, that's, he, he does kind of find his yeah, great you, have, you have lost me there because that's entirely what he does in the third act of the film yeah and he and again, well, he's, he's taken away from him how what when he's well what when he's gonna like sort of commit essentially suicide for yeah which is stupid it's a stupid act and the whole thing is what she says to him and again this is why I love Rose as a character and when she says and actually he, fa- he found his balls when he was stood over Phasma yeah, uh, the 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 ray the the sequence at the end of the film where he goes to fly into the that thing yeah it is actually just an expression of that that that's not where that's not where he finds himself he's already found himself that's just an expression of that but Rose is I, I, there I will to say kind of I will say the scene Point when is... he was with Phasma is when Redman Finn works so but I yeah I mean the, the I, I do I do find that. Awesome. How whole... satisfying you find it is a, is obviously a different matter, but mm. there is an arc there. There is an arc there, and I think it is driven by the Rose character. He hasn't spent any time with ordinary people, and he hasn't spent any time with like victims, really. Do you know what I mean? People, people who maybe ha- have suffered at the hands of... Because Jakku was kind of, you know, a bit like Tatooine in its way, which is kind of an analogue from out in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of even, you know, that is pretty much nowhere, as Luke says. So there's this feeling that it's almost outside of the emperor, the empire, not the empire, the first order. First order wasn't in charge by then. So you just had um, Ray going about her business, kind of minding her own business. What 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 he hasn't met yet, really, and spent t- real time with, is people who have a tale to tell about the way the first order have affected their lives, and I think that's kind of important. Yeah, where do we go from there? We've got... Uh, we must Holdo's. I was going to say, we must have Holdo. They introduced... Now, yeah. I, I've noticed this every time I watched it, and I can't decide if it's the two actors or the way they're shot. But Oscar Isaac, obviously Poe Dameron, and Ad- Vice Admiral Holdo is played by Laura... De- I very nearly said Laura Linney then. Laura De- <laughs> Uh, that would have been very different. That would have been a very difficult film. They have, uh, I thought, the first time I noticed it on the screen, it was like they might as well have subtitled it. They had a real combustible sexual tent energy yeah. between them. And most people I say that to really? don't actually know what I'm talking about. You either see it or no, I agree. Don't. 100%. Every yeah. time I see it now, quite often, just after he goes to talk to her after her opening speech, they're shot very intimately. They're shot close in and they're stood very close together. So I think it's physical proximity to each other. But they're, they're halfway between wanting to slap each other and half and rip each other's clothes off. Yeah, and I think, again, that's that's, him, that's um, Ryan Johnson playing with expectations of how we are and how we're... Again, this is kind of where Poe does kind of pull away from people thinking he's, he's a, a Han analogue. And where we're used to kind of hang everywhere with his charm. And I think, again, I think that's maybe something Poe is kind of trying, trying to use as well. But here it's not happening. And again, they, I mentioned the, um, the, I mentioned how he's a bit Pacino like. That's, uh, yeah. uh, 
a most violent year, it's really obvious. When, when If you watch him in that film with Jessica Chastain, he's very Pacino-like in that. But one of the things that made me think that is Pacino's only about five foot six. He's not a very tall man at all. And they've never hidden it, unlike Tom Cruise. Different genre, because it's action and it's much more alpha male. But Tom Cruise will stand eye-to-eye with Ving Rhames, even though there's about six inches in height between them. Uh, um, she towers over him. And he doesn't have the excuse he's an alien or anything. They're all humans or, or you know... Uh, humanoids. You know, yeah. Humanoids, anyway. Um, uh, she towers over him. So there's a lack of vanity. It, there's a little visual cue that... Um, like superiority, really. It's like there's a, there's like... a visual cue to the superiority and putting him in his place. And like I say... Not everyone's noticed it, not everyone agrees, but I see quite a strong physical chemistry between the two of them. Becca, did you notice it? I did, yeah, it was very palpable. You could definitely, you know, I'm surprised the screen wasn't set on fire. I really The chemistry was, was such. But I've said um, that to people who've gone... That, that really would have, like, uh, <laughs> that set been expectations, like, well, what the it fuck? Was... Yeah, Did Disney are really ruining situation. these films setting them all the way through. <laughs> no, but I, I did feel a, a different, different sizzle between them. Um, but yeah, no, was, I, I love their scenes together. Um, the kind of back and forward is quite good. Um, and yeah, I, I would agree that it was pretty much the Han analog here for sure. Yeah, so Haldo's now in charge. She's taken over from Leia, who's in a coma effectively. She's been busted in from another sort of ship. Because they say she's the you know cap yeah. commander of whatever ship it was, at the same time, and it does follow on. We we talked about Rose, but didn't really talk about her scene. She tasered um, Finn for deserting. She'd already told him she tasered about three people that day. The very next scene, they're with Poe, and they're uh, discussing how um, it's her theory, in fact, and he can follow up on this in that he knows how. She she believes that they're being tracked because that's the only way the First Order could have found them and Finn can tell them all how an Imperial ship works in terms of its procedures. So that hatches the plan as to how they, they need to basically get onto one of these ships but they need a code breaker because the codes change every hour which is incredible security when you think about it. And they call they put they put kind of a call into Maz. And it's <laughs> the one bit of the film Maz. where I'm just like, oh fuck, I really like this character. I wanted some more Maz in this. Yeah. And I almost feel like if you're gonna prick tease me with one fucking tiny little scene like this, I'd almost rather she hadn't been in it. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just like, oh no, that was such a waste after the last film. I love establishing that Maz likes to literally fuck anything. Or, or at least tries to. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, like... That's, that's one in, aspect here I didn't expect. Because in The Force Awakens, like, you know, she's like... The last she's, where's my boyfriend? She's on about Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, this close to saying, where's that Wookiee? I want to fuck it. Um, <laughs> here she's, like, she's literally, like, sort of stroke, stroking like a gun, go, oh, yes. <laughs> she loves yeah. it. She she's loves a horny it. bitch. Uh, there's, more to, there's more to come from this character, you would hope. Yes, and uh, the amount JJ put her in the film and the way he shot her and stuff, I think JJ's fond of the character. Or JJ probably conceived of the character, so I'd be very surprised if there wasn't a bit more of her in Episode Nine. How major she'll be, I don't know, because that film's got a lot to cover. But um, yeah, well, we'll just have to see. cover. <laughs> well, it turns out that she, she recommends a code breaker on the planet of Canto Bight. 
which Rose knows as a basically it's a basically a, a planet it, it's riser isn't it it's kind of it, it's a planet it's like monaco of, isn't it? it it's yeah kind of it's a it's planet for principality you to, it? yes because you've effectively got the yachts in the harbor effectively um and what, hover, you've, fancy what, you've, cars. what you've got is kind of an art deco star wars bond set kind of it's beautiful though all the establishing shots in this place are incredible yeah, but they go there to find a, a code breaker who turns out to be at like the gambling tables playing like craps or whatever the equivalent would be, um, and everyone's Wait, a bit Justin, drunk. Just, is it Justin Furo? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, stood stood next to him is, and that's that's Lily uh, Cole. That, that's Lily Cole with him. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think yeah. Thing, is there any truth in the fact that they originally wanted it to be Lando? No, but, I don't think but, so. But Billy D. Williams was a bit too hot. That's it was just a rumour, wasn't it, I think? No, I think they've, they've always said that, that they haven't found a place for Lando that they wanted. Yeah, I'm hearing rumours again for episode nine, but I, I don't think those rumours are necessarily wrong. I just think conversations leak and you're bound to like discuss if there's yeah. a possibility. Um, I think... The problem is I've seen Billy D. Williams and he doesn't look that well. He looks like what he is, an no. old man. Yeah. And I just think, like... I know people age, but let's remember him as he was. He looks like Grandad Lando. Yeah. Whereas yeah. at least Harrison Ford has been kind of keeping himself up. Harrison because, Ford because just he's looks, a yeah. yeah. Harrison he's Ford still looks a, still a regular actor. Yeah, it, it wouldn't suit Lando either, would it? Really, because it's because of how he is as a character. Yeah. Not only that, it's just I, I just think that it, with Han, that's two character arcs you've undone, and at least with Han. He effectively lost his son, so like that yeah. might be explainable. But, like, Lando went from like a bit of a fucking playboy to you know really quite serious by the end of the third film. <gasps> if he suddenly caught up with him and he's an old man pissing around in a casino, I'd be like, oh for goodness sake, you know. Um, either bring them in as characters and let's see where they are now. Or leave them out. I, yeah. I don't want the archetype. These aren't James Bond films, you know. Um, but at the Canto Bite stuff, I mean, I was really keen when it started because it's so beautiful. And and when we go around this casino and you've got funny droids and drunk people and, you know, gambling and, you know, a real smoothie as the guy who's obviously meant to be the original Codebreaker. It looks wonderful, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks amazing. And that, and that opening shot, the wings shot, is just amazing. Absolutely. So we cross-cut back to and from Canto Bite. To cut a very long story short, um, they end up being imprisoned there because they're sort of spotted. Um, we must they get a parking to... ticket, basically. Yeah, we must. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was to do with that um, thing in the yeah. We end up as well, we must go back to Luke and Ray then. Again, I'm not quite sure where the cuts are, but logically that would feel right. I'm, yeah. second I'm sure lesson. at this time they're like, they're like force timing with uh, Kylo, isn't she? Yes. And, and I, I, read a, I read some of leaks as to what was involved in the Colin Trevorrow um, plot for number nine. And there was going to be a time jump. And they were secretly in love with each other. There was a couple of other details I won't give away now, just in case they do use them. 
but there was certainly meant to be a clandestine love between the two of them, and you can see that here. Mm. I, that would not surprise me. And again, it wouldn't it be brave, light and the light and dark, being in love with each other? Yeah. Like that? Yeah, that'd be, yeah. We haven't had that for a while, so that'd be very interesting. We haven't had it at all. No, exactly. But it com- it makes complete sense. It's like almost like to to the degree that like, well, yeah, of course you would have like to. Like having this deep sort of like love hate relationship. She doesn't understand the power within her. Mm. That she's gonna gravitate to somebody who does, and he's the same generation as her. So kind of understand it. I need someone to show me my place in all of this. Well it 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 needs to be her him or Luke, because no one else would know. Um, but Luke's second lesson to her is probably one of his best scenes in the film because he sits down and explains to her why the Jedi effectively fail because you scratch beneath the surface and at their peak they left Darth Sidious and it was quite odd it was the one bit that jarred me it almost felt like you reviewing the the prequels Dave (laughs) well it was just (laughs) yeah because the Jedi were assholes in that but somebody from one trilogy, the good one, referring, referring to, to a character by yeah. named that way in the other one felt slightly odd. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, but it just felt odd. It felt odd to have Mark Campbell. He said laser sword as well, which is weird. They did they do use that a bit interchangeably though. More more often than not, it's lightsaber, but every now and again they'll say laser sword. Mm. It's Kind of like a, re- a reference to George Lucas and the way he, he he would never write lightsaber in the script. He'd always write laser sword. Yeah. He, even when he did the prequels. Little Anakin referred to it as that as well. Jake Lloyd referred mm. to yeah. it as a sword. Um, didn't have a problem with that. I just think they, they do that occasionally. Yeah. I mean, I expect for a character who isn't like necessarily know that much about the Jedi to say laser sword, but you think, like, a known Jedi would just, just say lightsaber. This turns on its head what Luke's doing here, though. Yeah. Because you think of it as him running away or just being disillusioned with it all. This is actually Luke proactively choosing a path of action that he thinks is safest. Mm. He thinks that he, he will create room for, for good to rise in different ways. The Jedi are, are only one way. They're only one way to interact with the Force. We've already learned in saying you, you don't own it. It isn't a Jedi concept. Um, Which is good actually, logic, I think. It's actually, uh, yeah, actually, of course it's arrogant. Yeah, actually, to think. the Jedi, in their arrogance, have missed one of the biggest evil we ever knew. And actually, in trying to change new Jedi, all I did was create Kylo Ren. Um, or at least enable Kylo Ren. So what he's actively doing is is a proactive. It's a proactive, not a reactive, course of action. Being on this island, and so he's trying to explain to Ray why the, the Jedi should end. Is he basically just saying, "Firstly, I'm just going to let the universe sort itself out"? I think he's saying that. I, I've read it that enabling the Jedi is counterproductive. Mm. So it isn't a question of fuck you, sort it out yourself. It's a question of let's remove this factor that actually, in my opinion, is doing more harm than good. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, but he's still got some respect for the Jedi because he's still guarding the texts and all the rest of it. So it's not that he has no respect for the Jedi at all. It's that they ultimately don't end up helping. That's his feeling at this point. Quite where he makes the leap from that to where he is at the end of the film perhaps isn't one of those narratively well-explained things. But that's where he is at this point. And yeah, she's she's force-timing Kylo a few times. But you can tell there's a sexual tension because he, 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 he meets her sort of topless at one point and she's like, can't you put a shirt on? <laughs> I like how he just flippantly just ignores it as well. He's like, he doesn't even go, no, he just carries on. He should have just dropped his trousers as well without <laughs> making reference to it. Fuck it, I've a lot. Is it? Do we, is, at this point, is he, he still cut himself off, hasn't he, Luke? Luke is, yeah, Luke um, has cut says, himself off. Yeah, she, she actually says to him, I didn't feel you when I felt yeah, all of it. You've shut yourself off. And it's after that he goes and sits up on that stone, yeah. re-communes with it, and Leia feels him. So he makes contact with Leia, which almost appears to be the sort of start of her recovery. Yeah. Uh, on Canto Bite, they meet um, they meet Benicio del Toro. I don't like this character, and I don't like this bit of the film. This is all a hell of a lot of busy work. I get, I get, I get her because Finn is saying, "Isn't this amazing?" Because he's seeing opulence and luxury, which he's yeah. never seen before. Um, and she's saying, "We'll look closer," and he sees, like you know, the animals being mistreated and kids being mistreated, and so on. And basically, the only wealth of that level in the universe comes from like selling weapons and things. But I don't like the Benicio del Toro stuff. Does anyone agree with me on that? At the all? only aspect of the Benicio del Toro that I like. Uh, is the, the how he points out that like the, you know there's no good or bad sign necessarily the the, the grey area, you know with the with, you know when like how Finn has this idea like well you know people you know bad guys only sell to bad guys it's like well actually no you know life's not like this you know you know people yeah you know, people sell to whoever's gonna buy them so like deep out sell to good guys and bad guys you know and and this kind of you know live live free and you know don't pick a side you know. You know, you only end up like sort of getting killed regardless. So you might as well just live, live for yourself, almost like live for the moment, or or live as an individual. Um, that that part about I kind of like, thought was interesting. And I liked, but everything else is just a bit. Eh, so what? I think you, I think it's the only part of the film that's predictable. And for that, yeah, maybe... I just didn't like it. It's, it's, it's a two and a half hour running time. It kind of feels it. it. It isn't sort of breezy in the same way as something like The Force Awakens. Well, I can't even tell you how long The Force Awakens is, but they're traditionally just over two hours. I, I think this is 15 minutes longer, so it's probably about... Well, so it must be about 2.15 then, because yeah, this is a two and a half hour film. Like so this is like a two and a half hour film, and this just feels really long-winded. I understand that they need... See, effectively, all they're going to tr- do... All they need to... What they're trying to do is get to the this tracking device on the, I'm going to say, Imperial ship. 
This is a very long-winded way around is it the doing this. Is that the name of the ship? Yeah. 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 Um, now, they need to do that. I'll, I'll make a point when we get to that in a minute, because I something thought of it earlier. But anyway, um, this is a very long-winded way around to it. And I know that Finn has things to learn from Rose here, but I don't find it overly satisfying. It's very long-winded, and the cross-cutting of the film is such that all it's doing is continually taking energy out of the film. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not that interested in this bit anyway, beyond the visuals, which are admittedly lovely. But then we cut to something else, and just as you're getting into that, we cut back to this, and it's like, oh, this is still going on, is it? Um, not fond. Not fond at all. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you do think, well, what's the point? Is it point just to find a way to get on board the ship? Is there not, like, another way? It just feels a bit... It just feels very much like a, or let's let's make an issue. We think, hang on, no, it's a, surely it's a hell of a lot of busy work. It surely reminds me of the bit. It's a, it reminds me of Infinity War when we waste all that time about fucking Thor making his new weapon, and you're thinking you could have just fucking handed him one, and I would have been like fine with that. <laughs> I didn't need ten minutes of fucking busy work on it. Yeah, let's have an extra sequence on it. Yeah, yeah, it's just to fill the time between major Thor bits mm. with a bit more Thor. So it's like, well, we'll make up this bit where this is happening. So it's it's a minor complaint, but it, it's it's getting more major each time I see it because it's quite a hefty bit in the second act of this film. And every time we're on Canto Bite, I'm like, isn't this fucking done yet? Um, but they do get a, they do get away with a code breaker. It's just not the one they thought they were going to get. They've got um, they've got uh, Benicio del Toro. Whose character name escapes me? DJ. Yeah. DJ, yeah. Yeah. And it was in, it was it was inevitable from the beginning that he was going to betray them. Oh yeah, exactly. That's the other thing you told me. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he does betray them. He betrays them as they get to the ship. They get onto the ship. They get into like imperial uniforms. They get right into the area, and then suddenly out comes like a load of like. Imperial yeah. got people and an, e- an an evil BB-8. <laughs> and, and what yeah. I wish that had, what I wish that had been is actual BB-8, but with a goatee. <laughs> I thought about that earlier. I thought I wish they'd gone all like Mirror Universe from Star Trek on it and just stuck a goatee on the actual BB-8. <laughs> but yeah, Phasma, who they do fluff for a second film in a row, but we'll get to that. Um, what's the third lesson? So there, uh, I suppose the next thing is um, it, it was cut from the film. The third lesson, right? So the next thing is Ray's Ray kind of examining her. Uh... Tell us about this bit, Charlie. Yeah, because she goes down. That's it. There's... It is that. It is like a cover of the dark side. It, it is a little bit like Luke going into the cave in the second one. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so she goes down to there and who she thinks she's going to meet her parents or find out who her parents are. And it doesn't immediately make it clear to us what she saw in that she saw herself, but that doesn't mean anything because no one's suggesting she was conceived by the force. And then it goes right to her and Kylo. Yeah. And then Kylo's telling her about what happened that night and his version of it. 
his version is that he wakes up and Luke is stood over him with quite an evil look on his face, yeah. ready to summon him down. And before he can, Kylo just calls, calls down a load of light, well, basically caves the roof in on him. That's his version of the story. Later, we will just do the And, and it's versions. true from his perspective. Like, that's what he would find. Yeah, yeah. It that's is actually... He woke up and saw that. Yeah, it's all Rashomon style. Yeah, Luke's uh, the other version of there's yeah Luke's version of the story was that he had kept noticing bits of things through his training that there was a little bit of the dark side around him and his power was growing exponentially as well. And so he basically had to wait until Kylo was asleep to go in and basically mind meld with him effectively. I know I'm mixing franchises there, but he needed to <laughs> use the force to read him. And it, what he sensed was so evil that he momentarily was going to sort of take him down. And it, he'd clearly, in the way it's shot, has changed his mind and he's not going to. But Kylo wakes up and sees him with his hand on his lightsaber. It all ends up with the ceiling, you know, the roof being caved in on him each time anyway. We see three different versions of it. Um, and, yeah, that, that the, the Luke's version is kind of the true one. Mm. Uh, it's still equally flawed. He, he very nearly struck down a sleeping Ben Solo. Yeah, we see the fight between Ray and Luke. Yeah, they have. Yeah, because after that story, she's like, "Is it true?" Did you, you know, did yeah. You, and she, they, they, go, they go with each other uh, for a little while, having a bit of a fight up on the rocks there, which is all okay. But again, this is we keep coming back to. We're cross cutting too much. Now, I I understand it from a narrative perspective that you don't want to leave threads hanging for too long, but. I think because I'm not finding these sections that wonderful, we keep cutting back to them and you go, oh, right, we're still on this. Uh, it's not a clever thing to do in a long film. I mean, even The Godfather 2 only cut like three or four times in total. And we're, we're cutting a lot between the different stories here. Um, but yeah, so we've now got Finn and Rose in the hands of the First Order. Sorry. We've now Sorry. got... Holdo in charge of the fleet and the fleet are being and you've got Poe begging her for information and hope to give to people and she's saying nothing and they're slowly being picked off each time there's a jump and obviously the tracker hasn't been disabled and um, we've got Luke I think Luke and Ray are pretty much done at this point and Ray just basically he refuses to go with her so she just gets up on the onto the Falcon and they try to sort of get her onto an Imperial craft, don't they? Yeah. Is that a fair summary of where we are? Yeah. Where do we go from there? So we've got um, Holdo's... Well, this is where Poe's got his mutiny on. And he gets shot by Leia. I like great. that, because, again, that's that, that you think you're going to get an emotional reunion, and she yeah. just immediately, like, phases again mixing franchises just fires a phaser on him you know and the same phaser she was stunned in the uh, new hope as well looks like it doesn't it as an effect yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's fun folks um yeah i mean the whole thing that annoys me about holder though is i i i get that you know poe didn't have command and should really obey orders but you can really understand his point of view it's like you know we're getting as you know it's said, how like, fast they're being picked off. I mean, do, do, 
do bosses owe you an explanation on their thinking most of the time? Yeah. No. But they're being picked off rather fast. Yeah. And, and he actually says at one point, we're not going to survive the night. Yeah. Tell me something. And I just don't see but, the reason but why. The fact is, he, when, when he does find out that it's, again, he, he tells Finn and, and Rose, DJ finds out and tells the Empire, uh, the, the First Order. So I, I, I kind of have a vague I, I thought don't, I don't with him, but I'm very though. much her on her side. Yeah, that's why I'm sounding confused because he didn't have any time with Finn and Ray, uh, Finn and Rose in that period. No, he 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 spoke to him over the con. Okay. When they were when they were in the the, the yacht thing with uh, with DJ. That's right. Yes, that's right. And they, yeah. Yeah, but didn't uh, know about the ships being like picked off though. Idea. Yeah, because he, he basically told them the plan. They've all got defensible positions, though, and, and I like that. The character work. I'm not saying everything yeah. always makes sense in every case, because Luke goes from deeply cynical to I will, the Jedi must end to I will not be the last Jedi. Uh, and in the interim, he'd, so, he'd seen nothing new in Ray, so that is a bit of a jump. But. Um, they're behaving how people do with flaws and everything else. And in a in a in a franchise series where you normally get archetypes, that's good. That's really good stuff. I would probably would have preferred it had they like done like a mole thing, because then that would have really given like hold our reason not to say anything because she's confounded by, like, I can't say anything because you know we'll be in danger if I could leak it to the wrong person. Yeah. Um, that would make sense. I would. I'd like. A general sort so of like... instead of them being tracked, uh, it's more that somebody there is somebody within their ranks who is continually telling the first order Possibly. where they are. You could run it that way. You could do both. And they, guess, but... they know they know that's happening, but they don't know who it is, so they've yeah. got to be more careful. Or don't know how, or they assume, or that's something. That's just an alternate story version to go, which would be fine. Oh, one thing we really ought to just talk about um, in between is Yoda's ghost appearing. We nearly missed that, but mm-hmm. yes. before Ray even leaves, um, Luke's t- going on about to burn down the temple, hesitates, and Yoda appears, and it's the puppet. Now, on the big screen, I thought this looked weird, but I've watched it on my home TV in 4K tonight, and the go- the puppet is brilliant. Mm. It, it looks excellent. like it looks like the Empire Strikes Back puppet. It isn't, but it, it does look like it. They've recreated him perfectly. Well, it's come. It, it, they took it from the same mold. Well, there you go. So it is effectively the same puppet. Yeah. Just with new yeah. material. I love this scene. Yeah, tell me why. Um, I just I love the humour in it. Um, I love the kind the kind of wisdom in it. And I I think you're wrong though. I think it does come after Ray leaves. Because he says she's already got what she needs. Yeah. Um, and she, she's she's, t- she's taken the books. She nicks all the books. Yeah. So I think this is maybe she she leaves. It then becomes night, and he's like pissed off and going to burn it down. You absolutely. Yeah. But we're still talking about it in the right place because we've talked about. Oh, that. absolutely. Yeah. So um, this is, and I think this is part of Luke's kind of right the way back from where he reveals himself to, or he first appears to Luke. He hasn't revealed who he is. No. Yoda was always like always liked a bit of pissing about, being yeah. fun. And he lost all of that in the prequels because they were all written by George Lucas, who isn't funny. 
um, it's nice to get that Yoda back. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what... Uh, the puppet was a little bit um, divisive. I I mean, uh, one of our yeah. listeners has written to us tonight just saying it looked like a toy on the IMAX screen. Um, I didn't see it in IMAX, so I couldn't comment. But he's not surrounded by a load of other CG. The Porgs looked vaguely practical to me. So... Um, I think, you know, had you put the puppet in the prequels, it would have looked odd because yeah. everything, there was so much digital there. I think it works just fine here. And actually, the, the the lighting effect that you get around Force Ghost was, was added afterwards. He was filmed practically on set, so he was in the shot with yeah. Mark Hamill. Uh, Mark Hamill went back to being sort of Empire Luke briefly. But Master Yoda, but Yoda, the Master Yoda, the you know the Jedi thing. Read them, have you? And, and suddenly he's talking to a petulant boy again. And and funnily enough, in a way, he still is. I mean, you know, Yoda lived to nine hundred odd years old. E- even they'll a always have that relationship, old, won't they? Even though, like, he is now like the master, as it were. They'll always have that student teacher. Yeah, well, I mean, even if Luke is sixty, he's a he's a boy next to what Yoda. Yeah, next to nine hundred year old Yoda, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Even though he's in his sixties, when nine hundred years you reach, the puppet looks great. Right. Suddenly Yoda's moving like the puppet used to move, obviously because it's being puppeteered. It's and there is, nice a, there, there is a subtle difference. Like I say, a CG defender generally, but here I thought it was appropriate. It gave it a bit of an Empire callback, and you've suddenly got a much older man in the place of his younger self. You know, it, that was kind of cool, and it was Yoda being funny again and having a bit of. We didn't see much of that in the prequels. The only bit I can think of in the prequels is where he said, lost a planet, have we? How embarrassing. That's the only bit in like six hours of prequels or whatever yeah. it was. So yeah, I like it a lot. So where are we now? We've got Finn and we got Finn and Rose about to sort of throw down, but that that's based off Holdo. They're all being picked off. They're in escape pods now. You have a scene between Leia and Holdo, basically saying, giving Poe the yeah. thumbs up, really. Basically saying, yeah, he, he is, but he's He's great. all right, really. Uh, which is cool. Um, it was a bit like when you get M talking about, you know, Bond in the Brosnan era, where it would be like, um, he's the best, but I never tell him, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so they're all escaping, but they're being picked off. Uh, so Holdo performs a light speed jump straight into the the Light speed kamikaze. I really love this that shot. Oh, of course. It's That's incredible. fabulous. Yeah, it's an amazing shot. And they drop all the sound out. Yeah. yeah. I think that makes it all the more effective. I didn't get an awful lot for... I mean, the commentary is entertaining enough. So when I say I didn't get much from Ryan Johnson's commentary, I don't mean his commentary was dull. I just mean I'm not sat here telling you loads of great stories he told. It was just a fairly entertaining two and a half hours. And at the end of it, I thought, I don't know what I got out of that, really. But he did talk about how long they took to settle on what this was going to look like. They knew they were going to do this jump. They knew it was going to decimate. But this idea of dropping all the light out and then just having a flash of light come through it and dropping all the sound out. They did endless permutations before they got to it. And I love it. 
And of course, that distracts those that are about to kill Finn. Um, it, Ray, yeah, in the throne room. Ray, Ray is in the throne room with Snoke, um, and Snoke is seems to be trying to taunt Kylo into killing Ray. Really, yeah. yeah. And of course, he is focusing on a lightsaber, but not that one. Because mm. you think, well, he could read him, couldn't he? But yes, he was. But, but he was. He, he's misread what he's thinking about. Yeah. Because he's got Luke's lightsaber right beside him, and he turns it to face him, and then just cuts him in half. And that's Snoke dead. And then they go straight into a fight with basically his Praetorian guard. And this is the first Star Wars film uh, from the main saga where there is no scene of two people fighting each other with lightsabers. Little fun fact. Yeah, there's no, there is, there's no scene in this film where two people go at each other with lightsabers. No, I, think I never thought of that. Yeah. That's fun, folks. So is, it, is, that, is that significant? Does it? Does the film? Is, is it any less for that? Not having that epic battle? No, that just, to expect? just no. an interesting no. point. It's the first. I mean, time the fact that I'd never even thought of it, me probably tells you what you need to know. Yeah, it's not. It's no, not. that's it. No, I just kind of thought, oh, you know, erase it. So never mind. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like the ultimate like thing to do, the isn't it? Battle. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, that gives Rose and Finn a window of opportunity. Bit of a smackdown against Captain uh, against Phasma. Chrome Dome. Yeah, I just think she's <laughs> wasted again. She's in this for a couple of minutes, and I suppose it's it gives... enough of her. She's a brilliant actress. It gives Phasma it, it gives... is an iconic role. We just need to see more of her. More Phasma, please. For well, for completeness, it's it is a full arc in that she used to basically torture Finn and boss him around and get him to do horrible things, and he gets his revenge here. So it brings closure to it, but when they brought her back, I thought, oh, brilliant, they'll do a bit more with her this time, and they really didn't. Nope. Nope. Wasted. Wasted. Yeah. We'll just like to see a bit more, you know. Yeah. I just, yeah, I understand, but I, I, as, at the same time, I don't know what, where they'd fit her in, really. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's not so long as a film as it is, isn't it? Know, so. I think she needs really more of a presence. I mean, like, I'm not saying like in this film like she needs to be in every scene, but it would have nice to sort of have an idea she might come back for the next one. Um, but anyway, anyway. at the same time, Kylo, Kylo is trying to get Ray to join him to rule the galaxy together. Uh, Kylo puts Hux in his place immediately. <laughs> um, that's quite funny because he comes in ready to like fire and all that kind of thing, and it's like, no, I'm in ch- we don't have a leader. Yes, we do. So <laughs> Kylo is now de facto head of the First Order with Hux as his bitch. Yeah, he wants Ray to rule with him. She seems to genuinely think about it, but she's not going to. And then they fight over the lightsaber, lightsaber with basically the Force. What else? Does the lightsaber snap in half as well? It basically, yeah, that yeah. That, give, that totally tips you the nod as to what's happening with Luke in the third act. But we'll come to that. But yeah, that lightsaber is destroyed. And they head for. They're heading for. Where, where is it? They're heading for Crate, isn't it? Yeah. The survivors and they they named they number check at one point. There's 400 of them, and loads of them were picked off after that. By the time they get to crate, there's a few dozen of these. Mm. There is reference to a few allies in the outer rim earlier in the film, so there's a few resistance elsewhere. But that this is the most desperate situation. This is more desperate than the situation they found themselves in in Empire. If you yeah. look at the end of Empire. I mean, it's nothing next to the Empire, 
but there was a reasonable size resistance. They had a big row of like craft, and it was like, well, rendezvous at the meeting point, so there's a load more of us there. They had a workable size like rebellion. Here, they're down to like what you can fit in a cave. This they've got some lifting to do with the next film because they're in a desperate situation with two to two and a half hours to go in this series. They really do like, yeah, they really pour on the hammer in the. I, I, I think they're going to start like sort of years years later. I hope so. Be... I don't. I don't want a trilogy to have taken place over six weeks. No, I mean I, it'll make sense to me, particularly with you know with the sad the death of uh, Carrie Fisher. It just like, it's just easier to sue move on like 10 years from now or something like that have like a period of time then you can sort of start fresh but anyway and um, certainly in the Trevorrow one there was a time jump mm. of a few years yeah and the, there's a plot point I can't really say to you but I will at some point mm. um, what else so the first order head down to Crate to finish them off and this is the thing that everyone thought was going to be a big empire kind of revisit that really lasts about five minutes Actually, because it's salt which looks a little bit like do you mean crate yeah it looks a bit yeah i mean the the, the speeders against the the attacks i think i thought it was going to be yeah a hot a hot redo but it doesn't actually play like that at all no i thought it was a bit of a hot rehash as well but yeah luckily it doesn't go that way so uh yeah so you've got rose saving finn from the giant laser yeah, um, which and... a lot of people have complained that that has ruined something that would have won them the battle. That rickety craft they were in would have done fuck all. Yeah, and, and also that... they've got a load of attacks or whatever the equivalent is. They're not attacks, but yeah. whatever the equivalent is. Um, if that's the ray that's stopping them finishing off the empire, they've got enough firepower that the loss of that wouldn't have been the end of the world. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, she doesn't really change anything. All she does is actually save Finn from what appears to be a futile gesture. Yeah, and that and that line where she says, uh, "That's how we're going to win by uh, not by destroying what we hate by saving what we love," is great. Exactly. It's amazing. And the way she calls him dummy as well. <laughs> it's, it's just great. And then, She's just amazing. So then they all get back in there, rebel in this this old rebel base thing. And yeah, uh, um, obviously uh, Ray is back on the Falcon now. Yeah. Um, so she's she heads down. So she's she's out the sort of back entrance, if you like. Uh, we find out in a while. Uh, there's only one way out of that that isn't the front door, which is where the first order are. And then suddenly Luke turns up. Yeah. Now, it was fairly obvious to me because he looked exactly like he did in the flashback scenes with Ben Solo, Kylo Ren before he was Kylo Ren. Yeah, he's had he a haircut had a and, dark, and just from yeah, that, yeah. But also, he gets out a lightsaber. It's the blue one from the first couple of films. So, it was clearly what I I gathered it what we were seeing wasn't quite what we thought we were seeing. Yeah, I don't think I was aware of astral projection. But it was quite clear uh, immediately this wasn't quite Luke as was, it wasn't as, quite as, all there, was I, he? I wasn't aware of the, the footprints on First Watch. I saw it on First Watch, but it's not revealed immediately. Yeah. Um, and of course, he has that moment with Leia, and I nearly mm-hmm. cried tonight when I watched oh, it. Oh, it's, it's very emotional. Very emotional. Um, 
And of course, when he when he palms her the the dice, no. he doesn't quite touch her hand. They deliberately shot that that it's ambiguous as to whether he's kind of there or not. Yeah, it's just it's just I, I forget the dialogue now, but there was just such a feeling of this is the last time we'll ever have this. Yeah. You know, I think what so makes sad. it that's what makes it a little bit worse. Again, I'm quite happy if people don't want to like it, you know, and there are people out there who don't like this film, that's fine. But I think to have seen such a harsh kicking when there's such a beautiful moment in it as that is such a shame. Yeah, and we're never going to get these people again, you know. What one of them in Han Solo will never come back to the franchise. Mark Hamill could come back as a force ghost, that's possible, probably will, but that um, sounds of it. Okay, but Carrie Fisher's passed away. We're not going to get them on screen together now. We didn't get any Luke and Han together in the last film. And obviously... I think the only way we're going to do it is obviously motion capture. You know, but but it's, it's, it's not the same, it's not the same. But they won't do it. They, they're no, not gonna do it. I just think it'll be against the memory. They, they just won't it'll be do like it. sacrilegious. Yeah, but it's not even a consideration, Becca. They just won't do it. No, exactly. Yeah, they've already said they're not going to do it. Um, yeah, they're not going to do it anymore. So. If you ever did it, it would be like for if you desperately need an image in a still. Hmm. So, you know, if you absolutely needed Leia to be in the back of shot somewhere. But they're It'd not going yes, to do a Peter Cushing. No. They're not. Because what they did with Peter Cushing was very different anyway. The actor had been dead for decades. Of course, and they yeah, never, ab- they never advertised. Yeah, I was saying, if, you know, if they still needed a U-turn, I thought, oh, maybe we will. But I, was like, I know they're actually not going to do it. But that's the only way they could do it. But yeah, I know it's not going to happen. And good, quite frankly. Um, but I thought it was a lovely moment. And now I'm ambivalent about what comes next, because I always find it a bit. It's dangerous. No, there are dangers in introducing new force powers because they can feel like Deus Ex Machina. They can feel like oh, well, the Force can do this, so we'll get him out of it that way. Mm. It had not like, bring, been... like bringing back people from the dead next and things like that. And... Yeah, it had not been established in movie canon. I know, I know it had been in, introduced in the wider universe, but it wasn't in movie canon. So it felt a bit convenient, and it felt a little bit like... You know how in like Iron Man 3, suddenly you started thinking, well... If Iron Man can do it out of the suit, why would he ever wear the suit? Do you know what I mean? If you can sit and treat it like it's fucking PlayStation or something, you can just have no danger whatsoever. Um, I don't. We don't know if that's what um, killed Luke or whether he literally chose to like join the Force afterwards to be able to guide Ray, which is what I think happened. It definitely took a physical toll on him because he was exhausted. Isn't, isn't there a lot? Isn't there a line Kylo says earlier? When he, when the, when him and Ray are talking about the amount of energy it takes to, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't to, I mean, to, kind of... to, to be honest, I did, I, I did like presume just from the visual, like of how knackered literally it was by using all, the, all his energy to do it. Yeah. Um, but then he, but he's kind of broken up. Then that. again, and I then don't he know gets I mean. a moment of serenity when he sees the twin sons, as though it reminds him of like the past. Yeah, and he chooses to join the force. Like he ch- it reminds him of Ben, because it was around the time he he looked out at those twin sons. Was around the time he met Ben, so it reminded him. And I, I thought he joined the force voluntarily, effectively. I mean, if you did that indefinitely, it would kill you, because it does take a toll. 
but he stopped before he died. It had killed him. Well, I, I think there was an, an inevitability way. there for him. Go on. In terms of he knew what he was doing and what it, that it was going to kill him. Okay. Could you just say to Kylo, it's like if like he does kind of like the Obi Wan line, say, "You strike me now, I'll be." Uh, doesn't say like I'll be more powerful than you can ever imagine, but he says I'll uh, always be with you. I think yeah. he says. Yeah. And again, I'm not quite sure what that means. If he says, "Well, if we carry on with me fighting like here, eventually it's going to drain me and kill me," and frankly, I'll be with the Force and always around. Thi- I don't I think know. The thing that really excites me about the next film, though, is I like the idea of Force Ghost uh, Luke not only you know appearing to Ray, but to Kylo, even then he like. Kylo's evil and mad and angry, and and like and Luke just turns and goes hello and just almost like taunting him a little bit. It's like yeah, but you're still good there, really, aren't you? He's like shut up. I, I don't think we've seen the last of Mark Hamill in this, but we might have done. We might have done. I don't know. I think all I'm saying is though, you introduce new powers and suddenly you've got beings that are there but not there. So again, a bit like you watch Iron Man, but you're aware it's just a suit, so there's no fucking danger. What's going to happen? The suit gets destroyed. Um, I got mixed feelings about it, and I think I can understand why some fans didn't like it on the basis of, well, they've just pulled that out of their ass, haven't they? And yes, I know that there's a book from fucking 20 years ago where that does exist, but all, all, all but the hardcore, very, very hardcore of completist fans wouldn't know about that. So if you walked in with no spoilers and saw this, you would be a bit like, what? Wouldn't you? Surely. Particularly if it ends with Luke dying anyway, you think, well, why wouldn't he just be there anyway? Might as well just be there in person. I guess. Well, how could he get there? Well, we did, well they were saying, well, he could have gone, the gone with Ray in the first place, I guess, but yeah. But obviously, because of that. The X Wing is there. I, but... I think, I mean, I always saw it with, I mean, Empire and Jedi, the way the powers are introduced in there. And there is kind of like a graduation. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff you start you see an empire that wasn't in Star Wars. The Jedi could do that Luke does and Yoda does. Yeah. I mean, Luke's like levitating lightsabers and things like that. None of that was in Star Wars. No, I understand that you, you can broaden these things out, but this this is. I guess if if we'd gone into the final battle of. Empire, and all of a sudden a load of stuff got levitated and moved that had not even been established by that point of the film. We might be a bit like, where the fuck did they pull that out of their ass from? It I think some things work on bothering. screen, don't they? Some things work on screen, some things don't. As, as uh, um, not the same way they would do, like say in a book or as an idea or in a in a comic or something. Mm. You know, I'm I not think... sure. And I will say again, a bit like Act Two, I think this acts a little bit baggy. Because I was getting close to, like, done with the film, obviously, and it was a rewatch anyway, and I'd done all the special features, and this this um, this stuff on Crate takes fucking ages. It is quite long-winded, but, um, yeah, it's all right. It was worth it to see um, Carrie and Mark together. Whatever I think of the, this scene, it was worth it to see those two together. But there you go. So, yeah. is that... That's pretty much. That's pretty the, much it. They they escape out the back yeah, the back area. There was um. Well, Ray's got the books. Ray Ray moved. So the books that. aren't destroyed. You do see when she opens the drawer, they've got it. 
and they're they're on the Millennium Falcon. The entire Resistance are on the Millennium Falcon. I mean, this is just not a big Resistance now. Um, but Leia says things, we have all we need, mm. which I think is a lovely re- reassuring way she says it as well. And it's just nice to see her and Ray together. And the other thing is, uh, Poe introduces herself to Ray, and it didn't even occur to me they'd not met. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't and it? If they don't actually, this is the first time we actually see them together throughout. This new, new trilogy, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it would be like getting to the end of the second film when you realise like Luke and Leia hadn't met or something. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, so like, good. Really? But they're the oh. three main characters. You imagine them on always in the same shot or something. Mm-hmm. I think they yeah. will be in the next one. I yeah. certainly know in the Trevorrow version that the three of them were together for most of the film. So yeah. Um, that's it. They basically escape, and we get the, the customary couple of minutes of music only, and we see the children from um, Canto Bite, and one of the boys who was released. They're telling stories about Luke Skywalker, um, and then he goes outside. And you, I didn't pick it up first time. Second watch, he, he yeah. calls the broom Force to him with force sensitivity, mm. and looks up to the sky, and it's just. I that. that on the first the first time I saw it, and I was like, oh, so exciting. I don't think we'll see that kid again. I think the whole point is just yeah. purely that yeah. the, there's more the Jedi there. there. There's yeah. more Jedi there, and it's a never-ending battle. And also, the the um, we see how the legends get passed down from generation to generation. They're telling stories to each other. It reminded me of C three PO telling the um, the um, yeah, telling oh, the characters Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, it's back to Rose and. That the uh, it's it's kind of it's for everyone. It's not just it's cyclical, isn't it? for people with yeah. super Jedi, people with all their powers and everything, um, and uh, all the people that are born into bloodlines and all this. It's, it's opening the Jedi and the Force up to what it was originally. Yeah. I mean, there, there will be people who are sensitive, but it, he's only said a couple of scenes before, and I will not be the last Jedi. Well, neither will Ray, And it's just broadened the universe out, and this, this story has messages of, of hope, um, which is where we, where we started in 1977, really. I know the retcon of the name was later, but it is about, about hope. And that's it, The Last Jedi, by far the most divisive Star Wars film. Reviewed. Cool. Long last. Final thoughts, folks. It's amazing. I love it. I really do. I truly love it. Um, I think it's just a brilliant, brilliant film. Um, I have so much fun with it. There's there's so much in there to unpack. Um, that uh, I, I every time I watch it, I have such fun with it, and uh, just thematically and emotionally, and I love it. Pieces. Becca. No, I, I no, I really enjoyed it. Um, oh, it's, it's very difficult. I just somebody got um, DM'd me on Twitter about ranking the Star Wars films. I was like, like you know, place it too quite. It's kind of creeping up the rankings. Yeah, you will um, have to one day, but it won't be this year. Not right now. Maybe next year. Um, yeah, no, really enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's not perfect, but it's one of the best ones in, in the new trilogy. Um, love all the characters. Rose stands out definitely. Um, I just screw all the haters, basically. Yeah, the the stuff surrounding the film um, bothers bothers me more than anything else. Um, 
because it's just not yeah, the grin. Any of the trolls, because anything that's happened to um, to um, Kachan, I just like I'll just screw off. You know, you, I, I don't have time for those sort of people. Well, it's 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 just. You know, it's just like, can we just talk about the film rather than like exactly, exactly. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah. The thing that the loads of things in the film I actually like. Uh, I think certainly is one of the, the better looking Star Wars films. Uh, certainly, mm. um, it's certainly a fresh take on take on the series. Um, there's some things I don't get on board with, um, but part of me is probably the reason why. If I appreciate any aspect of the film, it's just how. I don't know if you've used the word divisive, but it's, it's, it's divisive in me. I, I I think of this. There's parts of this film where I think I like that, but or I don't like that, but you know, and that or that almost is like in a triumph in itself. Uh, so yeah, there you are. Last last July. I mean, for, for me, it it's everything I respond to. I think in execution, there's quite a lot wrong with it. Um, but that that's pacing. I think the Canto bite thing. I think you know they've fallen in love with the set design, and and actually it's not occurred to them there's there's more efficient ways to tell this story. This is quite a lot of busy work. I'm I'm still not sure about the astral projection and stuff, in terms of whether I think it's too. I t- Charlie's absolutely right. You can add new powers, and you should over time show us something new in the Force. Great, but. It's when you show it and how you show it, and, and and at a climactic point of a film, that can come off as a bit convenient. Um, I'm not necessarily accusing that of this. I'm just uh, this of that. I'm just in, a bit ambivalent, a bit on the fence about it. But you know, all of the complaints about the Force Awakens were it's too safe, it's too it's copying, it's it's a big studio coming in and just doing the template. Well, this is just given the complete lie to it. And all the complaints are is actually you wanted Disney to do something new, but you actually wanted them to do the EU. You wanted them to do what was in your head. I have problems with some things about this film, and I don't have a lot of fun with it for a film that I found so funny on first watch. It's probably the funniest Star Wars film, which is something that doesn't get alluded to but there's a lot of like actually decent laughs in it and really good lines but it's not any easy watch like the force awakens it does feel quite long and it's got the slog of a chase to it it does it you know you know you think i think back to that sort of battlestar galactica reference where they're they're getting just tired trying to stay ahead of the silence i was i was getting almost tired trying to stay with the film but the biggest thing you'll win with me for doing is is taking some chances and trying something different and as such this is probably the bravest uh film uh the star wars series has made uh but certainly that the dis of the disney entries there's a there's an inherent inbuilt safety to, to everything else they've done a solo film yes it's flopped but it's such an obvious let's tell a story about when he was younger an origin story rogue one is is actually a real clever concept but it's it's kind of obvious as well everything they've done here is extremely brave so as such i probably don't love the film but i have the deepest deepest respect for it uh, and like well done well done but you know what dave i feel almost like under i don't i don't feel i know enough about this film i think there, are, there should be facts to be found amongst the stars. Star facts, if you would. I've got five fun facts. Cool. Five glorious fun facts. I've got some plum from the depths of the tinterwebs. Okay. 
Number one, this is the highest bidding for Carrie Fisher in the Star Wars film. Number two, the hologram of Leia made by RTD2 was originally recreated from original footage shot from A New Hope. I don't know if that's right or not. I think that sounds a bit spurious to me. That's probably my favourite scene in the film, you know. <laughs> I can't believe I completely forgot about it. Oh yeah, I forgot about it at the end. Oh, bless him. Uh, fun fact number three, DJ's final line movie. Uh, it was improvised improvised by Benicio Del Toro. I must, yeah, I'm going to backtrack here. Um, I do like Del Toro generally, but in this film, mm, not so much. Um, that's just not his character. I just think he has a really mediocre performance and we know he's capable of better. So, never mind. I didn't enjoy him so much in this film. Anyway, fun fact number four, it's the first film of Dr. Ryan Johnson not to be scored by his cousin Nathan Johnson. And fun fact number five, this is the fifth official Star Wars film for Watts Davies and plays a different character. I was going to say each time, but most of the time, obviously not counting the Ewok movies. And that's it. That's fun, folks. Fun facts? Yeah. The facts, but they're not very fun, especially number two. Social media, folks. You can find me on Twitter at MovieTrone. You can find me at Simitrox on Twitter. You can also find... uh, this show and uh, the back catalogue of all the Bond films uh, at cinematrights.co.uk You can find me at the Plasty Kid 1976 And Chris and Dave you have also recorded a spring summer special under the Cinematronics banner is it out yet? Uh, it'll no, be out it'll by be the out time tom- No it'll be out by the time you're hearing this It will be yeah I was going to say awesome. tomorrow but then this will be <laughs> yeah. uh, it, Well at, at the point where this episode comes out it, it came out two or three days ago so yeah uh, we, we, you'll be putting it on the Do You Expect Us to Talk feed as well, Chris? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. So, yeah, you, you'll, you'll already have it if you're listening to this. Oh, summer special coming I'll your stick, way. I'll, we'll stick that on YouTube as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Expect Us Talk. You can drop us an email, expectustalk at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Type in Do You Expect Us to Talk? And you can also find us under the same name on YouTube, Do You Expect Us to Talk? I think that's it. We're still not on Pinterest or... Tinder or Grinder or, <laughs> or Snapchat or Can we get on the on Tinder? <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad not. Went, I'm glad you went with that one because like, <laughs> no, I don't Grindr, really no. want to go on Grinder. Nothing wrong with it, just neither of us swing that way. Um, that was a bit Seinfeld then, wasn't it? Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what other platforms we can't we can't be on. Um, oh, Pinterest. Uh, Platform uh, 93 quarters. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because they're not magical. Harry Potter coming in several years' time, folks. Really? <laughs> Instead of Hermione. <laughs> I thought that was the Powers joke, but I won't do it. Yeah, or not at all. Yes. Not at all. Uh, that's it then, isn't it? So, yeah, um, you've only got one Star Wars to go, Charlie. So just a quick word on you in this series, in case we forget to mention it next time. We're moving on to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which we need to sketch out offline. We haven't even done that yet. We don't know what commentaries we're doing or anything. Um, but we will do a music episode at some point, so you join us for that. Sure. Uh, it'll probably fall into the new year now, because we're going to run out of time this year. I really wanted to do this year for obvious reasons, because it's the 50th, but we are covering Planet of the Apes. You'll join us for that. 
down the road there are other series you'll join us for i know you've talked about the terminator and jaws and a couple of others so there's other things you might join us for but that's where we'll next see you but the other thing we're going to do this year is this year is the 40th anniversary of superman the movie oh. uh december the 14th i think it came out in this country so we will be doing a commentary on that film. What with having lost Margot Kidder, we'll be doing a commentary in early December for release then. And Charlie will be joining us for that. In the meantime, he does have one more entry with us for Star Wars, which means Becca. Do you expect to talk or return with Solo, a Star Wars story? 